Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Great Northeast BJJ podcast. Uh, this is episode 11. This time we have, for the first time in the podcast, we have two guests on the podcast. The first one is Joe Bellany, uh, known better by uh, people in the Northeast BJJ community as Makako. The second is Tim Cartmel, uh, who's a clever Luciano black belt, a friend of Makako's for a, a number of years. Um, Tim was just in town doing some seminars at Fist Fitness, which is Joe Bellany's uh, academy down in Massachusetts. Check that out for sure, uh, fistfitness.com. Very interesting podcast. So, uh, you know, having known Joe for a long time, you know, there are a lot of stories that we talk about old training. That's all, you know, very good. Tim is an extremely interesting guy. Uh, not only has he trained with a lot of the BJJ greats, Hoyler Gracie, Hicks and Gracie, Joe Moreira, uh, like I said, he's a black belt under Kleber Luciano, but he also trained traditional Chinese martial arts, Chinese boxing and Chinese wrestling, and moved to China and lived there for a number of years uh, to train pretty authentic experiences uh, from this guy. Also, while he was there, uh, worked as a translator, translating old Chinese text into, into English. Uh, he's also uh, somewhat of a movie star over there. He's been in some old um, Chinese movies, never made it over here, but also very interesting nonetheless. So uh, check it out. I hope you guys enjoy it. Also, uh, if you haven't done so already, like us on iTunes, subscribe, check us out on Facebook, uh, and also on the web at www.greatnortheastbjj.com. Uh, also, if you have questions, comments, uh, want us to visit your academy, you can send us a, a message either through Facebook or through our website. Uh, we'll always respond. We'll talk about, you know, we'll respond to your questions on the podcast. Come visit your academy, train, talk jujitsu, talk life, whatever it is. Anyway, enjoy it. Episode 11. Freeform, whatever we want to talk about. Rolling. Yeah, we can talk about whatever you want. Generally, welcome to the only podcast where (laughs) we have guests, but really it's about Jay and I. (laughs) It's always always about me. We just have guests for show. We really just want to talk about ourselves. Right. So we are uh, (laughs) recording at this point? eh? Yeah, welcome everybody to the... Episode 10, right? I think it's episode 11, Jay. Episode 11 of the Great Northeast BJJ podcast. Um, back in the barn, still in the barn. Um, critical electric sound, I believe, is the technical term. For this establishment For this here? awesome establishment. Critical electric sound, is that what we're calling it now? I think so. I All think right. so. Um, so, as always, brought to you by... Port City BJJ, located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Awesome place to train. Um, PortCityBJJ.com. Three black belts. Um, really cool place. One of the one of the instructors, Jay Mansfield. He's yep. all right. The ghost. The, the ghost, big woo. The big woo. Um, I think I was supposed to let you say that anyway, but maybe I'll, I'll let you talk about Tortuga Soap. All right, Tortuga Soap, uh, based out of New Hampshire, uh, made by our fine man here. George uh, runs the company along with his wife. Fantastic artisan soaps, perfect for jujitsu, keeping you clean when you get dirty on the mat. 
lots of different flavors, lots of different scents, uh, everything from lavender to tea tree to uh, even one with coffee grounds, which is my favorite. Uh, check them out, tortugasoap.com, or hit them up on Facebook. Also, just recently released in the BJJ box. Yeah. Um, um, one, of those, one of those hitting people. Um, that's this month. So I think at the beginning of June, you'll be getting some stuff, and it will include soap that I have made. So you should check out BJJ Box. I think it's BJJBox.com. Um, if you want to buy soap from us, you can get it at TortugaSoap.com. And um, we were just talking anywhere about that's it. cool. I think I'm going to sign up for that BJJ Box thing. Yeah, do I it, can, man. I can see the hate on my wife's face <laughs> right now of me getting more jujitsu gear, but I'm going to do it anyway just because I want to get a bar of your soap, and you won't give yeah, it to me. no. And we got really cool T-shirts. If you want to buy a really cool T-shirt, um, we're making T-shirts, the, uh, stuff this, like that. This one here, the roll yeah. T-shirt, we'll put is, a probably, is one of the coolest. Yeah, we'll Thanks, throw it buddy. up on the uh, when we put the podcast up, but it's an uh, excellent T-shirt. Very cool. Thanks, man. Uh, I approve. It's, it's Big Woo approved. <laughs> Jeez. That means a lot. <laughs> I've just been looking for your acceptance for a while. Um, also brought to you by Crash Kimonos. CrashKimonos.net. Um, design, Gee's designed in New Hampshire. Um, by our friend, makes rash guards, geese, clothes, um, really cool, like ranked belts that I got on. Um, so you should check that out. Crash kimonos. Oh, I don't have a belt on. <laughs> you're, belt, you're beltless. I, I, I'm beltless. <laughs> I'm beltless. Uh, but I usually do, and it's really cool. So you should check it out. Um, so also, huge shout out. We'll do a little shout out to, uh, our man Jared last night on Respect 3, wearing a Tortuga Soap Company patch. Um, did nice. work, man. He did work and won his match. I looked great, man. Looked great. Looked great. Um, shout out to all those guys. That was on flowgrappling.com. That was really cool. You guys should check out, definitely check out Flow Grappling. I'm, they're not a sponsor or anything like yeah, that. But it's good, basically, though. if you guys are looking to see good jiu-jitsu tournament footage and uh, all, covering all the biggest tournaments and all, the, all these new kind of uh new format tournaments that are popping up uh they're they got them on flow grappling and so you know i think it's a pretty reasonable price it's a subscription type thing and you can watch whatever they're publishing at any point in time so uh, wrestling check them out. they got rest like you can watch wrestling um tons of different like they i'm running and marathons and yeah they do a lot of, of stuff cool, yeah. uh, it's cool uh, i got a subscription to it it's actually definitely worth it pan yeah. ams you can watch pan ams worlds yeah um Yep. All that stuff. Also, shout out to our friends, uh, people who have been around the podcast. They got promoted yesterday. Luis got a brown belt. Luis got congratulations, a brown belt. brother. Yep, absolutely. I know he listens. That's a um, you know that's a guy that's been training a long time and really deserves to have that belt around his waist. Um, you know, and uh, actually, speaking of Luis, you know, there's uh, some potential future <laughs> podcasts coming up. We're going international right. with the podcast at some point in the next few months, so keep an eye out yeah. uh, for a trip possibly to the Dominican for uh, the Great Northeast BJJ podcast. So just before we introduce our guests, and we have two guests today, which is cool, and we don't normally have two, but uh, what we, if you don't know what we do, you should check out some old episodes, but what we do is either we come to the barn and talk, but most of the time we will come to your academy and train with you. And uh, and then set up a podcast in your gym and talk about jujitsu. So um, yep. we'd like to do road trips. 
cool part here is is so when we do uh, we we were calling them dojo storms before, but the idea is to show up at your academy and give you an opportunity to tell your story, let your instructors tell their stories, let your students tell their stories, and kind of expand. Um, you know, we're always in here. We're in the bar and we're talking about jujitsu, and and we <laughs> we'll talk until we're blue in the face. It's what we do, but we want to hear you know, what motivates you to train and what got you started and what, you know, what you love about the place you train. And, and we want to go check those places out too. So we're getting some, some, some good feedback and some good emails about people that want to come, want us to stop by and, and train at their gym and podcast there, but keep them coming. And it doesn't, location doesn't matter. If you want us to travel, we'll come see you. So hit us up. Um, what's the, so we're a great Northeast, great Northeast BJJ podcast. Your voice is so soothing. No, great Northeast BJJ.com. All right. So, introducing our guest today. Uh, Today's a a pretty awesome day um, for the podcast because I get to sit down with a very old friend of mine, uh, Joe Bellany, also known as Makako. You'll hear me refer to him as Makako from this point forward. Uh, Makako and I have been training together since the. Uh, since I started jiu-jitsu at, at, at Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with, with Roberto. So I'm very happy and very proud to have Makako on the podcast today. And um, along with him, today we have Tim Cartmel, Kleber Luciano uh, Black Belt from the West Coast. Uh, coming out here, he's been doing some seminars at Joe's Gym. Joe, uh, quick overview of uh, Fist Fitness, if you will. Sure. Um, we're located in Westford, Massachusetts. We have... Um uh, Jits program that's that's growing and it's a lot of fun. It's great to to see guys getting uh, getting their chops down. And uh, we also offer a striking. So um, Sean Eklund is um, the lead boxing coach. Sean's uh, Mickey Ward's uh, nephew, and Sean runs the boxing program. Um, but we also have fitness, like fitness boxing, and we run fitness classes too. So we're doing a little bit of everything. It's fairly unique, but it's 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 a it's a blast and. Um, I mean, I've seen a lot of pictures with Mickey Ward there. He's like right? a bad Visiting. penny, man. We can't get rid of him. He's there every day. Every day. Has he ever trained jiu-jitsu? No. I, tra- I, uh, I met... <laughs> and No. No. I, re- I met uh, Ray Mancini one time. Boom, boom. And, boom, uh, boom. And he trains jiu-jitsu. Yeah. yeah, man. I don't know if he still does, but he... Uh, and like I was like, hey, can we get a picture... And we got a picture, and uh, and you choked him. No, nah, man, he got <laughs> he had double underhooks on me. <laughs> get, get and he told, he's like, me, I got double underhooks right now. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Super cool guy. Um, That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, awesome. And my- so if you're in the area in Massachusetts, you should go visit Joe down at Fist Fitness yeah. Westford. Fitness. Yeah, and we're we're our website is fistfitnessgym.com. Yeah, anybody. Well, you guys are welcome. Anybody's welcome. Let's listen to this podcast. You're all friends. Come yeah. on down, roll, have a good time with us. Here's the thing I like, you know, and you, this is happening more and more now with with jujitsu academies. Of course, you know that is my first love as far as martial arts. I've done some other stuff, but obviously dedicate a lot of time to jujitsu. But it's really important to kind of take a step back at one point and and think about why it is that you train and what you're trying to do. You got to learn how to throw your hands. You got to learn how to move on your feet. It's an important aspect of 
of self-defense. I mean, a lot of people are training for tournaments and stuff like that, but I'm really happy to see, uh, you know, academies like yours that are really expanding the offering to make sure that you get not only just offering a striking program, but a world-class striking program with real coaches that really know what they're doing and teaching people how to, you know, how to punch and kick and box. And so, um, you know, and you, I think it's an important piece, you know what I mean? Rather than just, you know, you, you can go down this rat hole, and I'm I'm as guilty as anybody of putting the gi on and having a very gi-based game, but you can get away from the fact of why we all train really at the end of the day is to learn some self-defense. And if you don't know how to, if you don't know how to throw your hands, then you're not learning self-defense. Yep, I mean, and this is, that's actually a good segue to introduce uh, right. your, your your second guest, and because... Um, <laughs> He w- he's been a major influence on my uh, my perspective as far as um, how I approach uh, martial arts in general, but you know, jits and stuff like that, and 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 just from a self defense pr- perspective. So, but I'll let you introduce him, and he can tell you a little something. Then I'll then I'll lie, and I'll tell make up stories about him. That's what we like. Yep. Don't ever let the truth get in the way of a good story. Of a good story, right? Yeah. So I guess uh, Tim, if you could if you could kick us off, give us the uh, the who, what, where, and why. Like, well, I started martial arts as a kid, and I did a lot of Chinese martial arts. And uh, when I was in my early twenties after college, I moved to the Republic of China to continue studying, and uh, I was trained there for about eleven years. Wow! And I did a, uh, a lot of different styles of martial arts, and I I uh, kickboxed Chinese kickboxing sanda. So I fought, and then. I came back to the States in the mid-90s and um, always interested, kind of an emphasis on self-defense. Mm-hmm. There's really no ground fighting to speak of, just kind of rudimentary ground fighting in the mm-hmm. styles I'd done. So I, I was back actually visiting at Christmas time. It was probably 90, maybe 92. And I, I was reading Black Belt Magazine. And in the back, they had a little tiny ad for, uh, it said, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, real fights. And I was like... <laughs> A, there's no such thing as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right? But I like to watch real fights. <laughs> so I bought it, and it was the Gracie in Action Tape. Nice. Right. So right, right from the get-go, I was like, wow, I'm going to learn some of this. So nice. I came back uh, to the States in nine, the end of 94, beginning of 95, and I started training. And there wasn't many people around. Where were you living? Um, California? In, yeah, yeah, yeah Southern, Southern California, California yeah. in Huntington Beach. Yep. So um, one of my friends that I trained with, we had to drive to San Diego. You know, it's probably 90 miles to... to uh, train it was mm-hmm. nelson montiero he was the guy that started the whole abu dhabi thing the sh- the sheik yeah. was there then so we trained there for a while and then and then you know there are more and more teachers coming and then uh i trained with joe marrera a really good yep. teacher for a couple years i got my blue belt and then i went to Kleber luciano mm-hmm. and i stayed with Kleber from blue he got i was his first black belt and i got my black belt from Kleber. And at first I thought, Amazing oh. honor there. I mean, yeah, it'd yeah, be yeah. Clever's first black right? belt. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Clever, yeah. Clever's an awesome teacher and a great competitor. And I thought, oh, I'll train a couple of years and get some basic ground self-defense. But then like everyone, you know, I fell in love with the jiu-jitsu. So I just started to train all the time and compete and that kind of thing. Right. Hmm. Awesome. And you've, uh, did I see that you've, you've written some books as well? You've... Yeah, I have a, I wrote a. Uh, Passing my, the Guard. I wrote, pass, yeah, with my partner, Ed Benville, I wrote Passing the Guard. Um, I wrote a book called Effortless Combat Throws in the in the early '90s. That's a really I good book. That. If you can get that book, that's a really good book. Seriously, uh, and if if you can get like the first two chapters of the book because it contains all the principles and concepts, um, you know, throw you know if you can get that down, and the, you know the throws are just the execution of the principles and concepts, dude. Uh, seriously, 
it's awesome. Is this like throws based on the Chinese martial arts that you were doing or yeah. kind of a mixture? Yeah, mo- that was my background. But what I try, what I tried to do with the book was uh, talk about the principles, not just a bunch of techniques. Yeah. So, you know, kind of the principles I understood them as I learned them in China and then with my other teachers. So, I mean, I, ideally, anybody who does any kind of throwing or takedown hopefully could get Get some out of the book. And the name of the book again is Effortless Combat Throws. Effortless Combat Throws. I yeah. will definitely check that in, out. In you know, Tim's competed a lot in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and um he has never been thrown in competition. No oh, one has one, ever there was a one time. <laughs> See, once you ruined once. my story. See, once. Uh, once. We already talked about yeah, the truth. Come here. on, yeah, right? man. Come on. Our listeners don't want yeah. the truth. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want the truth. No. But seriously. They can't handle it. No, probably yeah. not. But re- but realistically, um, uh, you know, a, a huge advantage that he has when he, when he, you know, goes out there. I mean, you know, you know how a lot of people play negative judo or they'll just kind of like, mm-hmm. I'm t- I've seen him like take advantage of all that negative judo stuff. You know, like Jimmy Pedro does really great stuff too. Right. But, but Tim's perspective, like by studying Sambo and, hmm. and, um, Sui Jiao, which is the Chinese martial arts stuff. Sure. Um, and Bagua Zong, which is another like throwing art in China, China. I mean, that's like, Good stuff. I mean, like he, he and he mixes matches it, so it's like ties people up. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll certainly check out that book. I, I I was able to get a little bit of it when I you know when I was kind of you know doing a little bit of research. Uh, well, <laughs> wait a second, <laughs> dude. That's you not think, like us. Do you think? Do you think that I just come on here all willy nilly, just uh, shooting from the hip or? Gunslinger, yeah, like gunslinger. <laughs> did you when you came back and I mean from then till now? Do you did you kind of like put all the stuff together and and now is that what you teach? Sort of a mod, you know, like a mixture yeah. of it all. Yeah, I had, so when I, I came back, at first I taught. Uh, when I first came back, I taught the Chinese styles primarily, and I was just practicing jujitsu. Yeah, and then. I probably about purple belt level. I started to incorporate. I didn't really teach jujitsu yet. I just incorporated, you know, some basics for my for my students. Mm-hmm. And uh, then at brown belt, I started teaching classes. And then by then, I um, I started coaching MMA. So it was I started to combine a lot of the the stuff I learned, and um, eventually just ended up being fundamentally MMA. Right. And now I work. I, I had an academy for about ten years, and then. Um, I closed it about six years ago, and um, two two good friends of mine that were also clubber black belts had opened an academy not far. So I kind of combined schools. I, I never really liked running it as a business. I liked the training part, the fighting part, all that. I didn't like the business part. So right. I basically went to work for them. So I'm the head instructor. It's called Ace Jiu-Jitsu. It's nice. in Fountain Valley, Southern California. So now um, I mostly just teach gi no gi jiu-jitsu. And uh, I coach some of the MMA fighters. You know, I don't, I don't do a lot of, I do kind of the traditional Chinese styles privately or in seminars, but I just, it's pretty, you know, it's just, it's a kind of a normal BJJ gym. Yeah. So just uh, like um, one of the guys that took a private from him this weekend drove up from New York. I don't know where, where they're from, but they were, they drove up like five hours from just to take a private with him in, in one of the traditional Chinese styles. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean, like his reputation is pretty. What was what was uh, training in China like? I mean, obviously, as as Brazilian jiu jitsu guys, like we always direct that kind of towards Brazil, like go to Brazil and train. But um, what was it like to live? You know, we we talked to you know John Frankel is a close friend of ours that we've trained with for a long time, who who kind of introduced Brazilian jiu jitsu to Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I'm, I'm really interested on your take of what it was like to train martial arts in China. Well, it, you know, I guess it would depend on on uh, in like the late eighties, right? You were there. I in went, the late. I moved. I moved there in eighty uh, four. Yeah, yeah. Two tra- was the sole purpose to train. Yeah, or was nice. it because you did a lot of translation stuff? Right? Well, I went. Yeah, because I couldn't speak Chinese when I went. So I went to. I got into like the university in the language program. So I went through the whole like five year language program. Okay. And uh, I learned to speak. You read, you know, write Chinese. So I could, I worked as a translator after and that kind of thing. I have also books on the market I've translated, martial, old martial arts books that are kind of cool if you so, like those kind of stuff. So he's, he's being kind of modest. So let me, <laughs> let, me, right. so let, me let me explain this. So he has like, like an, a, master's degree, a master's degree in classical Chinese language and literature. So here's the deal. When you, when you get one of those um, Taiji books that are translated from Chinese to English... Mm-hmm. The construct of the English language is very uh, is very concrete. It's like German; it's very concrete. Whereas Chinese, from a language perspective, is is, is more flowery and ornate. It's all abs- exceptions, right? Like yeah, everything is an exception. So, so you have to understand the context of the of of when it's written, the 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 language style of when it was written. You know, the the classical Chinese, which is you know, and then you have to understand the martial art that it's written about. So you have to actually practice the martial art. So. So this, so his perspective is kind of unique because he got to train with a lot of these old masters. He un, he could read the Chinese classics, and so he could train with. Uh, I mean, he could translate these into English that made sense for English readers. Right. So, like, um, there's a term in Tai Chi Chuan called double waiting, and people, you know, think it means um, what's the common thing that they mean? Think Maybe it means on both feet. Yeah. Oh, even on both feet. But that's not what double. That's not the. It gets translated into English as double weighting, and everybody says, "Oh, don't have you know fifty fifty uh, weight on fifty fifty uh, each foot, right?" Right. You know, it means like you know, like for, like like force on force thing, like in jujitsu, how we never fight force on force. Yeah, that's what they mean by the double weighting. Never fight force on force. But but you got guys in here in the states, and not to knock you know people doing tai chi who listen to this podcast. God bless you. It's great. You should study Brazilian <laughs> jiu jitsu. I, I don't. But, I, I don't <laughs> think. I don't think we have to. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. Yeah, not. right. <laughs> but you know, the, the, you know, they're, they're missing the boat. You know, on what on what because they just don't. And, and it the, can come up just. On basis of a bad translation. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It's like a bad. It is a bad translation. I mean, how so, old are these texts that we're talking about? Um, some are really old. This the one of the books I translated was I translated was the very first book ever published in China on Tai Chi. It was like nineteen fourteen, <laughs> maybe. Amazing. Yeah. That's and amazing. Then, um, that's awesome. I translated yeah. a couple books from the. They're really good. The older books from the thirties. You know, one was on Chinese wrestling because so. they really fought. Yeah. So and it's just. Right. It's, yep. It's it's just nice because you know a lot of people like that kind of thing. They do Chinese dancing. martial arts, and uh, they never have a chance to like read today. that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they really fought back then. Yeah, um, there is, but you know, within these books, Tim's translated. Um, um, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Six Harmony. Um, Dai Longbang. Oh, Dai Longbang. No so there was a so there's a so there's a, this old dude. <laughs> this old dude. Um, he wrote this treatise in 1790, and his name was Dai Longbang, right? And we're going to give props to Dai Long Bong yeah. and his family. Shout out. Shout out to Shanghai, Dai Long Bong, yo. <laughs> but the, the harm, the six, this treatise that Tim translated. It's our first shout out to Shanghai, I'm yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, so, I always wanted to go there. Yeah, it's, dude. You, no, you dude, welcome. you can't even leave the country. Like, I don't know where you... Can, I can totally leave legally, the country. There's only one place I can't go. You can't go to Canada. You can't go to Canada. Anywhere oh, else, boy. totally fine. Oh, boy. Totally That's fine. That's a good story, but... That, that, I, you know, we were talking about going... We were going to go to the Montreal Open. 
<laughs> oh, and yeah, George is like, um, yeah, just a, one small problem. problem. <laughs> just small problem with that. I don't think I can go, go there. Stop you at the border. Excuse me, sir. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I thought it, it was like, what? Well, you know what? We could probably do it, but I usually travel with family in tow, you know? And so, like, if there was an issue, I mean, I've been to plenty of other countries. The Canadians are just not. Um, George, you sound like you're rationalizing to me. Yeah, see, <laughs> do you see, you can. It sounds almost like ap- apologetic. You know, like, <laughs> that must be. Must Dear be Canadian friends north of the border, <laughs> I love you, and I would love to visit your beautiful country. Guys, guys, can we have Makako more often? <laughs> you, you're fantastic at this. You're really good at this. <laughs> you're killing not. it. L- you, you picked right up on when George started rationalizing. I thought, I thought you were out of this podcast today. <laughs> you know what the- I'm really interested in what was going on in Shanghai. I just thought I'd kind of redirect back to what we were talking about. Da, mm. Dai, Dai Lang Bong? Yeah. Dai Lang Bong. So, 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 so check <laughs> us out. So in boxing, so like, you know, I've been a certified USA boxing uh, coach for like the last you know, five or six years. You know, mm-hmm. get your certification and stuff like that from USA boxing. So like, you know, you go through these training things and all that stuff. And, you know, when you're, when you're throwing a jab, I, I, I got to point to the story. So bear with me. <laughs> when you're throwing a jab, right, <laughs> you, you know, you, you want to push off your back foot, right, and you, and you pump out your, your front foot and your front hand, you know, start and stop at the same time, basically, right? So you're mm-hmm. using whole body, whole body power kind of deal. It's like using your whole body. And that's, you know, it's traditional Western boxing. That's, that's, how you, that's how you roll, you know? This dude in 1790 was translating that back then. It was like, you know, he, he, there's more to the treaties, but it was like, I was reading what Tim translated. I'm like, holy fuck, this guy worked for USA Boxing a lot, you know? <laughs> right. So, you know, the guy who wrote it for USA Boxing, I thought was really smart, but Dai Long Bong, they beat him. Yeah. yeah. A couple hundred years yeah. before. Were you, Tim, were you training in like one style or different styles in China? No, I, I did a few different styles. Yeah. And then, um, then I, I kind of emphasized... Uh, um, ring training. So, uh, sandas, Chinese kickboxing is like Muay Thai, but you can throw. There, there's no limit on the throws you can do. Very so, cool. you know, you punch, kick, knee, elbow, and then you can you can do any kind of takedown. There's no ground fighting though. So, the the throwing it's a point system for, like from the Chinese wrestling. So you get like a grand amplitude throw, you get more points. You know, you trip the guy, you get less points. So there's a big emphasis on it. Mm-hmm. So um, I trained for that for a while, and I fought for a couple years. And he, won, cool. and he won the All Asian Full Contact uh, Championship twice. Wow, wow. The, amazing! The, in the, in the, I always yeah. thought it, uh, in Muay Thai in particular. There's so you see guys, particularly foot sweeps in, in Thai. You see guys doing a lot of foot sweeps off the off the plum, and I've always thought that it was weird that there is no value to doing that in, in Muay Thai. There's no value associated with it. So the scorekeepers that are keeping track of the fight are not associating a value to those to those throws and those sweeps, but they do it anyway. You know what I mean? That there should be a, you know, in Thai where it's like, it is a small percentage of the sport, but I always thought that there should be a value associated with that. And there isn't. Right. Hmm. Right. Because one of the things that he, you know, prior to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, me training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I trained with him in a traditional, in one of the internal styles called Bagua Zong. And, um, and one of the things that he emphasized was, listen, um, you know, a, a good throw is, is like worth four or five good punches. I mean, like the ground, I mean, you get slammed on the ground. I mean, that's worth like four or five good punches. I mean, like it, you guys know, you, you guys know you get right. thrown. It well, hurts. Also, man. also you, when you, you know, you can land a few punches and that will bring you, you know, set in up a the fight, throw, right? It, it'll, 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 it'll do some damage, but a good positional advantage, i.e. throwing someone oh, yeah. and landing in a great side mount or oh, yeah. like, 
that's a potential fight ender. Yeah, like, you, bet, you betcha. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So how did you guys? How did you guys meet? Uh, this is a good story. I'll, I'll be. I'll be brief, right, Joe? <laughs> so Tim wrote your representative. Yeah. There's, there's no, no reason to be brief at all. Yeah. No so, reason to be brief. Right? We got all we night. Got all, we got all yeah. night. This yeah. can go so, on and on. This is Sunday night in East <laughs> Kingston. Not a lot goes on around here. <laughs> Not a lot goes in around. We were lost and we were in Kingston. Not a lot goes oh, around yeah. uh, on in Kingston. Either. Oh, wait till the yeah. sheep get here, bro. Oh, yeah, baby, you, you guys uh, don't know what. Bring really them happens. in. Yeah. <laughs> plenty, plenty happens. anyway. <laughs> plenty happens. Plenty happens. Hey, what happened? What what happens in East Kingston stays in East Thank Kingston. Unless God. it's on the podcast. Thank God. <laughs> then it's all over the world. <laughs> and then five or 10,000 people are here. But yeah. that, that'll be it. All right, That's good. It. All right. So uh, Tim was living in Taiwan. He used to write for this publication called the Bagua uh, Journal. And it was awesome. It was I was working in uh, Chinatown at the time. Uh, excuse me, uh, on Albany Street uh, for a company called DuPont. Uh we're not, uh, you know, whatever you guys think about DuPont or whatever. It, I, it, it was where I was working, so it's part of the story. So um, anyway, um, I would go to Chinatown every three months into this little um, Chinese bookstore, and they would sell the uh, publication. And so I'd go home on the train, right, to Lowell, and I'd read the publication. It was awesome. Tell me that this is not the Silky Way. Yeah, I think it was the Silky this Way. This is unbelievable. This is the Silky second way. time yeah, that the Silky, Silky way. way has come up on the podcast yeah. in, in two episodes. Yeah, it was the Silky Way. Yeah, on Neyland Street, right? Yeah. Right, on Neyland. Yeah. Oh, is yeah. this where you got the belts? From, like, yeah, when Roberto <laughs> would be like, you're a blue belt now, and but he wouldn't give you a belt. Like, right. You have, like, to go to, right. you have to go to Neyland Street to buy your own belt. You have to go to Neyland Street to get your own belt. Oh, boy. Ah. Yeah. So, um, so I would read it, and, 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 and his articles made sense, right? I was like, Wow. Finally, someone's translating this shit, and it's like not like you know talking about like roll your energy in your stomach and like you know like feel the. I was like, I can't roll shit, you know, so I'm not rolling anything. So, but, like, but he was, he's, so I got pizza in my stomach. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look at me. I'm looking Donuts. for pizza. So, uh, so my friend Chris Gondell, uh, who was doing a lot of karate with at the time, um, you know, we were training together, and and Chris was like doing a like Bagua. He was doing this stuff with this gentleman you know, locally. And so Chris wrote an article for the, the Bagua Journal and he got it published, right? And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then um, Chris said, you should write an article too. I was like, I don't know. So I wrote an article. My article was shitty, really shitty. So, um, <laughs> but anyway. Um, don't sugarcoat it. No, it was terrible. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, Dan probably needed filler that, that, that quarter. So uh, he throws my article in, right? So, I'm talking to Dan Miller. Uh, Dan Miller is the guy who published the, the journal, sorry. And um, so I'm talking to him and I said, hey, um, you know, asking a hypothetical question. If there's any guy in the world that you could train Bagua with, who would it be? And I'm expecting like these old Chinese dudes, you know, like that you see in the journal, like they are. Kwai Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Master Po and all that shit, you know? So. George, <laughs> stop. What? What? Dude. Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> not even close. That's, well, how do you not say even it? Not even close. How do you say it? No, Grasshopper. It's not how you say it. It's that that guy has oh, nothing I, to do well, with. I was, just, I was just contributing to the talk here. That's all. Yeah. It's it's funny though. It's totally, yeah. Dragon, totally Dragon Ball Z. I totally get you, That's man. Not Dragon, it's funny. That's right. Kung it's funny, Fu, dude. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, make a long David story. David Carradine. Yeah, he was a Shaolin monk though on the on the thing, so it's still nah, different. I, so. I have no idea. So. I've never so anyway, left New Hampshire. So, <laughs> you live in New Obviously, Hampshire. You don't know shit. I don't know anything. <laughs> Seriously, let me. I'll tell you. So, so <laughs> whoa. So I, I said to Dan. I said Dan Miller, the public publisher. I said, dude, who would you? And he goes like this. 
without a hesitation, goes, Tim Cartmel. And I'm like, really? I mean, like, but the guy's, you know, the guy's living in China. He's in Taiwan, right? Him and his wife, Amber, living in Taiwan. Um, and shout out to Amber Cartmel. She's awesome. Yeah. She, she, she's, she's the boss. And, um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, said with a soft, I, and yeah, enduring voice. Yeah. I don't encourage it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, 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 I said, wow, that's, that's interesting. And so, I, I was talking to my buddy Chris Gundell again, and I said, hey, um, it's too bad we could never train with this guy. Oh, no, Dan Miller. Before I hung up with Dan Miller, I said, you know, it's too bad I could never train with this guy. And Dan said, well, he just moved back to Huntington Beach, California. I was like, really? Oh, that's cool. And like, you know, Jay, you know, it's like, that's 3,000 miles away. I'm like, yeah, that's not good. I have like right. kids, mortgage, working, you know, all that bullshit. You know? I mean, th- I remember that. I remember sitting down with you back when, you know, I- in that heyday of like, you know, when, when, you know, I was just getting started professionally speaking and it was like, it was a 70 hour week job. Yeah. 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 So I, 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 I humped it pretty good, you know? Yeah, and uh, so I talked to my buddy Chris, and and I go, you know, Chris, I said, uh, yeah, it's too bad we can't train with this guy. And he goes, Chris goes just like this. Now, Chris, to understand Chris, he Chris has a PhD in psychology from a Princeton University. I already don't like him. No, you'd <laughs> no, love you'd, like you'd, him. you'd love him. <laughs> and he goes like he goes like this. He goes just like this. And this is how Chris talks. He goes, fuck it, <laughs> let's get him out here for a seminar. And I said. <laughs> I said, I don't know. We don't know anything about a seminar. He goes, fuck it. He goes, I'm going to call the guy. So Chris calls him. Keep me on the straight now, right? Right. doing good. Yeah. (laughs) So Keep going. Keep going. Chris calls him, and, you know, they talk, and uh, will you come out for a seminar? And Tim's like, yeah, sure. And so um, he hangs up, and, and Chris calls me back in my office. Now, I'm in my office, Jay. You know how I was like, I was like fucking always going crazy, right? Right. He goes like this. Chris goes like this. I just talked to fucking Tim Cottrell. He says he's expecting your phone call right now. Here's his fucking number. Click. We're kind of in the middle of some shit here. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so what do I do? I put the shit off and yeah, I, and I call Tim Cottrell, right? Right. And I go like this. I go, I go, hi, Tim. Uh, my name's Joe Bellany. Um, I really uh, got a lot out of your articles. And, you know, you're just talking to my friend Tim Cartmel. And he goes like this. Tim goes just like this. Because you, you, now you heard Tim's voice on the, on the, on the podcast. You, Tim goes, oh, thanks, Joe. I like your article too. <laughs> Just like that. It's being polite. Yeah. <laughs> and I go like this. I go, you read my article? It's <laughs> oh, amazing. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I was like embarrassed. Uh, but, uh, but, and then, you know, we brought him out. And uh, one last thing. We brought him out, right? Now, sight unseen. You see how buff Tim is right now? Like, you know, he's huge, right? Yeah. So for, for Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for the... Readers out there, he was he was he we weighed less when when he when when I first met him, right? So we pick him up. Chris Gundell and I pick him up at Logan, and he came in on uh, I don't know some Delta uh, uh, um, American flight or something. Gross. So he's down. He's down at baggage claim. Right? American Airlines is the worst airline there is on the planet. Yeah, but it was a cheap ticket, so that's how we get him right. out. So you know, fair but, enough. <laughs> so hey, hey and it wasn't you, right? So <laughs> yeah. so so we're. At the top of the escalator. Now, you got to understand this, right? We don't know him. He's just been back in the States for a little bit, right? Um, we know he writes well. We don't know anything about his martial art ability, right? <laughs> so we're like, you know, sight unseen, right? 
So are you disappointed? No, no. So listen to this. So, so Chris and I are at the top of the escalator, <laughs> looking down, and he's waiting. We, we see him waiting down at the um, uh, the baggage claim, and Chris. And now we had to beg and borrow people to pay for the seminar. We bu- everybody. Oh, dude, this, this is gonna be so cool. This bagua shit's gonna be so good. So like, got like a bunch of guys to like co- you know carry the cost so we could pay Tim right. So and Chris looks at me. Immediately at the top of the escalator, and he goes, "We're fucked." <laughs> <laughs> now, what were you thinking? Were you like, "Oh, jeez, what am I it. getting? What am I, I getting?" Didn't hear it. <laughs> so mean. Yeah. Like, We're like, fucked. I can't believe I came <laughs> to Boston. Oh, yeah, and that's how I met him. How was the seminar? Oh, it's, he he kicked everybody's ass. Yeah. Awesome. And, and 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 then and at that time, I think you just you just like were a blue belt, right? Or just got your blue belt in jujitsu. But yeah, this yeah. was maybe jiu-jitsu. maybe. And so like he was doing this like. Shit to us on the ground. You like, hadn't trained jujitsu. No, yet, no, right? I, I, no, I was just doing like karate and like some stand-up and stuff. So it's important that everybody. So I think you, you've probably, you know, we've had enough guys that have been in jujitsu for a long time uh, on the podcast. But if you listen to previous episodes, there's probably a recurring theme that you realize that when we first started training, a blue belt was a big deal. Huge deal. That was a big deal. It was huge. Um, and so, you know, this guy running around with a blue belt, that's like, this guy is a genius right. on the ground. Right. You know, not to mention, like, like you know, decades of Chinese martial arts that yeah. you had in your back pocket, but a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu is like, holy shit, that guy's got a blue belt. You heard Nate talking about it, like, right. that's an American blue belt. I've never seen <laughs> exactly. one of those before. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. You know? And so, like, during the seminar, I showed some, like, you know, basic ground stuff you know like i don't even know what you did but like mount escape or something like that you know oompa you know all that stuff you know like uh, shrimp you know side control mm-hmm. escape or whatever and like we were like this shit is unbelievable so you know i would bring tim back every like three or four months and um after about the third or fourth time tim said to me dude you really should study brazilian jiu-jitsu <laughs> now i know i'm bringing him out this is this is the thing. I'm bringing him out for Bagua, right? So I'm paying him money for Bagua at this, you know. And he's and he says to me, he says, you know, Joe, you should really do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And I'm like, yeah, you really. And so like the only game in town, <laughs> you think, yeah. So the only game in town, as you know, Jay was um, uh, Julio, Julio Julio Fernandez yep. up in Vermont, up in Vermont, or Roberto in Watertown at the time. Mm-hmm. That was literally the only place in yeah, New England that, that you could get jiu-jitsu. That was it. This is when, like, yeah. when I walked into the academy, Kenny was a blue belt. Uh, Frankel was, uh, maybe just got a purple belt. Pat was a purple belt. Patrick Barberi. Yeah. He was a purple belt. And, you know, so it was like, Nate was a blue belt. Right. You know? Um, so it was like, it was like weird. Like, you know, so like, this was like this, it was just weird. And I remember mm-hmm. taking a private with Roberto. Because you know, Tim said you gotta take you gotta take a private. You know, get, get and Roberto was like, for... yeah. And it was Roberto. Roberto was really cool, you know. Like, but I was like him sitting on my chest. I'm like, there's no fucking way that I, 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 I'm in trouble. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna die here. This guy could cut me up into pieces if he wants to. Yeah, it was it was amazing to find. You know, back in the day, it was so rare. I mean, nobody knew what jujitsu was, and to find someone—I mean, we were. This sidetracks the story a little bit, but to find Roberto, this diamond in Watertown, be like, "This is the best kept secret around." Mm. You know what I mean? Martial arts, yeah. because you had this guy that it—you know—straight out of Gracie Baja. Yeah. You know, like he had the impassable guard, right? And and at the great, you know, the, the basically the 
you know, the epicenter of jujitsu in the world and still is. Um, although I'm, I'm thinking LA is getting pretty close at this point. I mean, it's ridiculous. When we yeah. were there for the Pan Ams, it was like, so we can go, let me get this straight. I can go 20 miles north and, and train with Jean Jacques, or I can go 20 miles south and train with Galvao, or I can walk out of my hotel room, walk about eight minutes, right. and train with the men's brothers, right. or go to Atos, or go. It's just California is ridiculous. Yeah. California is just ridiculous, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I stumbled, I stumbled on on onto Roberto in a very similar way. It's like, and it's funny how things work in life. You know what I mean? It's almost not by accident, but by chance. Yeah, that you find these things. And you're like, oh well, you know, based on you know Tim telling you to go train, and you're like, all right, well, I'll check it out. I'm like, well, Vermont's too far. I'll like, uh, well, this guy's <laughs> in Watertown, and literally a life changer, right? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So I was grateful. So Tim was the guy who got me on my uh, jujitsu uh, road, you know. So it was cool. Tim, when you uh, when you started jujitsu, did did you find that Chinese martial arts that you had been studying, like, did it help you? Were you you know what I mean? Was there a transference of certain things, or it was like starting brand new uh, on the ground? It was pretty much brand new. Brand new. Yeah. So the stand up, you know, I had a background in throws. Yeah. Although I'd never worn, we didn't, you know, we didn't fight in geese. So what'd you wear? And Sunday, you know, you don't wear anything. Yeah. You know? <laughs> or, you know. Naked. If not you guys like Pat. Well, not, not, get the mental image. Right. Get no, the mental image. Right. Hey, teasing. forget about the T-shirt for the, uh, the, the photo for this podcast. We're just we're going to do some, some naked Chinese wrestling. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay I'll, by uh, me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joe's taking off his clothes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Joe, put your, come on, put your pants back on, man. Come on. Put your pants back on. So, uh, you know, I had to. I had to kind of relearn how to do the grips and the gi, but I had, you know, the, the throws I had, a, I had a handle on, and, but the ground fighting was, I, you know, I was as helpless as anyone else It just started. Is there anything that, like, you th- saw or, like, because talk, when we talked, our friend Jimmy Quinlan on here, it was like, he was a wrestler, and he's like, oh, man, I really wish that jujitsu guys did this, like wrestling, this one part. Is there anything, like, that you took from, you know, those guys you were training with, and it's like, boy, if all you jujitsu guys could do this... It would help jujitsu. You know what I mean, like right. a, a concept or nah. a way of training or anything. You know, one of the things that, that attracted me to the jujitsu was the when they talked about kind of the principles and the concepts. It was fundamentally the same thing. Yeah. Know, they talked about like the styles I did. You know, they talked about weight distribution. They talked about using leverage. You know, not using force against force, borrowing the opponent's force. So that was all the same. It was one of the things that I mean. I th- I mean, I, I would have done some jujitsu anyway when I started, but. Right, right when I got going, I was I was enthralled with all that kind of like I was like I know all this kind of I mean I've heard all this before except to play the on concepts the yeah the concepts so I don't really think so um, I think uh, back then as well I mean you guys will remember it was it was more about like self defense it was a, it was a lot of school and you understand that you know people want to win tournaments so they just sit down and ground fight but back then right. we spent a lot of time on stand up you know we had to defend against knives you know the whole the whole yeah, right and I I still try to teach a, a fair amount of self defense. In the in the jujitsu class, even I think I think if there's one thing I could say now, I I, would, I wish that I wish that uh, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu academies would would you know spend a little bit more time on on actual fighting rather than only on sport fighting. But on the other hand, you know you, these kids are athletes and they're really good at it, and to them it's a waste of time. You know, they just want to go on the ground. I, uh, I I struggle with this a lot because I think you know by the time you're you know, once you learn the fundamentals, like things that are that you would find, you know, typically see on a blue belt syllabus, guys are good enough to defend themselves on the street. But it gets degraded over time 
um, if that's if that's the world that they're locked into. So like you know, you look at these guys that are butt scooting across the mat at the beginning of a jiu-jitsu match. It's embarrassing. You've you've heard. I don't know if you guys listened to the Howder episode, dude. I've heard He's you like, say the exact pulled, same thing. Pull guard oh, with a sense uh, of shame. I thought. I've I've heard you say about guys within the like within the rules. What did, what did, like ah uh, he people human beings will find a way to win within mm-hmm. the the rule set right, that is right. established. I mean I've heard yeah. both you and Chris say the yeah. same exact thing about That's, that. You can't blame them. You can't blame people for one. Those are the rules, right? right? Those are the yep. rules. Here's the thing though, a lot of those guys, you're right, by blue belt level, if they spent ten percent of their time doing some stand up, they could access jujitsu. Without it. Most of those guys would not stop someone from punching them in the face if they got any game at all. That's right. So it's a little bit tragic, right? So you're, 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 you really have all the, all the hardware in place, and you can't access it if you're getting hit. That's so exactly what I'm talking about. If they, about, knew, yeah. if they understand like, in the, distance, the distance of a real fight, how to cover their head and grab the dude, they could take him down and do jiu-jitsu. Yep. But without any of that training, it's not going to come to him like, as if by magic, right? Yep. And I, my, my initial introduction to jiu-jitsu was pre-UFC 1, um, and I and we we always talked about that concept. They they called it if you remember closing the gap back then. Right. It was all about right. closing the, the gap. Match. Yep. Yeah. And w- now when I use that term, I'm like, oh, you got to close. And and you're like, what do you mean? I'm like, wow, this is yeah, this is jujitsu. Like right. this, every, all of jujitsu can be sum, summed up in like essentially closing the gap. Yeah. And uh, you know what I mean. And it's, so it's it's sometimes I have to remind myself of what. Mm-hmm. Kind of how how vastly jujitsu has changed over mm-hmm. the years, based on like when you started training, and you were like very similar to to Joe and I. Mm-hmm. You had this amazing capability to train with, you know, basically a, a legend in, in Brazilian jujitsu and in Kleber. Mm-hmm. Um, when you started training with Kleber, what were what were the classes like? Like how many people? Like what was he teaching? Oh, back then? Um, um, where was it? He's in, Hun- he's in the same school. He's yeah. in Huntington Beach. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I actually moved. Um, I moved close. And, and uh, I was training at Joe Marrera's, and I would go to two classes, like, afternoon and evening. And then the times changed, and, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't train as much. And I'd met Clever uh, once or twice at Joe's. You know, he'd, he'd just gotten to the States. And, uh, you know, he's obviously impressive. Mm-hmm. So I moved near him, so um, partly for convenience at the time, but I wanted to train more. So I, I went to train with him, and then, you know, I was, it was awesome. So back then, I mean, Club's got a huge school now, and he's got different programs. I mean, there might be, you know, a dozen guys in class. And uh, back then, you know, he'd roll this. He taught every, And Clever, Clever, you know, a lot, a lot of schools, as soon as the instructor got someone up to par, like purple belt par, you wouldn't see him much. You know, they'd have their lower belts teach. You know, Club was right. always on the mount with us. Like, now he's got a bigger school, and he has helpers. But back then, he, was, he taught every single class. You know, he'd roll every single class, so it was, like, the best time, I think. Um, you know, not well. Not you know, I mean, it's not. It's it's great. He's got a great academy now, but my, it was good. It was a good time for you. Got a lot of personal attention. You know, every class, and we competed a lot. So, you know, there were no easy roles ever. Now, you know, it was very uh, competitive, and we trained really, really hard. And mm-hmm. we did the self defense stuff still. I mean, it was still kind of back in the day. Right. And then we still had challenge fights. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. Those guys would come in, and so it was a good time. It was a good time to train. Yeah. Well, tell us one of the about one of the challenge fights. Really? Was it like yeah, a yeah, man? Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. This is like this is like real like. He's action, like really. Right? You want to you yeah. hear about People that? Love, so on, yeah, definitely. Um, was it a common thing? Like, was it like once not, a week? Or? No, 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 no. Not not that much, but every once in a while. And nor, what it, what it was normally too. It wasn't kind of like guy came up off the street, you know, and like took his shirt off and wanted to. It would be it would be 
before you get before you get uh-huh. too tight. So where like where are we? When is this? Clubbers, this right? would be the mid late nineties. Okay, and this is at Clubbers. Mm, yeah, Joe's as well. I, the first my first experience was when I trained with Joe Marrera. <laughs> Great and, um, experience. <laughs> they they would. Uh, you know, people, and again, it wasn't like it wasn't life and death kumite or anything. Right. But, you know, people would, people would. A couple times, I remember they'd gotten beat up or they got in a fight with somebody that did jujitsu, and um, I don't know why they'd want to come in and prove that it was a fluke or something. <laughs> Go back for more. I right. lost on the Stupid. street, but I'm coming back. Right. Right. A little bit like that. Yeah. And then other times, it was just guys that did the martial arts, and they'd meet people. You know, they start talking shit back and forth about you know, and you could. Then they'd be like, "You can't take me. No one can take me down." Right. They go, "Oh yeah, why don't you come be the cat?" That kind of thing, right? Right. So you know, there were, there were fights, but they weren't you know they weren't street brawls. Yeah. And then you know, it was kind of the same thing that the instructor is not going to fight the guy. He's a black belt, so you know, I right. was a blue belt. You get the blue belts to do it. So you know, I had stand up training. So you know. I would would they I pick would someone it. like the same weight or it'd be kind of just like yeah usually I mean yeah, I would, yeah. similar uh, kind of put someone out but they put out people that you know they knew were gonna oh yeah right so, skilled guys, so, so, right. so the question is Tim did you ever have to do one for like Joe or, or yeah. Kleber you know, can you yeah. tell us that experience right you know, that's just the way. It, they, you know, sometimes a couple of times they call me, you know, and say, "You got to come to the academy." You have to come to the <laughs> like academy. Like chilling and representing, right? You're yeah. chilling, doing something. Yeah, like eating lunch. It's funny. <laughs> this is this is the exact same conversation we have with Chris. And Chris was like, Hagen called Chris and was like, "Man, you got to come down here right now. Like this guy is here and he's saying I'm too big and blah blah oh, blah." Yeah. Hagen is too big. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a big he's, guy. He's a big yeah. boy. So would it be like like uh, and you're you know in an example of when you had to do it? It'd be like a stand up like a traditional you know yeah. American karate I, or yeah, something know. you know I what I mean what, or, I don't know what, or no, what you I mean they'd have some know. kind of experience yeah. with something usually right yeah. so tell what, what was it like no like, it's just yeah. you know just like you see in those old films you know you just kind of and then you know the, the the teacher would not want you to hurt anyone yeah really you know and so yeah you just kind of throw some blows and cover you know you do a takedown and yeah. it was back then no one really knew how to get on top and slap them yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, what, nobody knew any takedowns, so or any uh, ground fighting really. Yeah. And then a couple times too that um, they would be friendly, but like I remember one time a whole judo academy showed up at, at Joe's. Wow! And uh, they just wanted to, you know, like in a gi, do it in a gi, and he called me and I came, and you know, they just wanted to see, I guess how they do against jujitsu guys back then, because you know there wasn't much cross training back then and that kind of thing. It was friendly right. enough, you know, that kind of thing happened as well. Would a lot of these guys or any of them like? turn after and be like i want to train jujitsu you know yeah, a couple yeah sometimes yeah you know the thing was there was a, there was a pretty good atmosphere i mean the teeth i never saw like like club or clever or, or joe like ever be you know disrespectful or 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 you know like i told you bitch we're gonna kick your head. <laughs> <laughs> see what's up now yeah they didn't you know right. it was never like that right. you know they, they were nice to him and uh and uh you know, they do that thing. You want to try again? You know, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they were play. Yeah, a few, sometimes, yeah. And some sometimes too. It wasn't. It wasn't to that extent. People just want to come in, and they'd be like, just ask, like, hey, you know, uh, you know, can can we put gloves on and see if you can take me down? That you know, they just wanted to see. Right. And it was friendly. And a lot of yeah, a lot of them would would train. Nice. Mm-hmm. Now everybody knows. Everybody cross trains, and everybody know. You know. Yeah. There's, there's not much of that left anymore. With the availability of information, I think it's really hard for. I mean, jujitsu was kind of a secret then. You know what I mean? It was like people is like you might look at it if you knew what it was. You looked at it as another martial art, and but you didn't know that it was as effective as it was. Yeah. And now with the availability of information, the internet, no, yeah. I mean yeah. everybody knows what jujitsu yeah. is. Well, back then too, if you'd see like 
you know, like people I knew, you'd watch like the old Gracie and action tapes and they would all say the same thing. They'd be like, ah, you couldn't take me down like that. I'd kick you in the head. I, you know, <laughs> and, until a guy, you know, <laughs> measures like the distance and shit. Yeah. 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 He was training like Kung Fu or something like this. Like, oh, I'd just kick you in the head. Right. Yeah. I, I think he said, right. I just wanted to go learn just in case. Like I had to, you know, the off my chance. Yeah, the off chance. My kick you know? missed. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's because you, you watch it, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, you, you would think that if you, if you'd never had that experience, right? Yeah. Or a lot of those guys had never wrestled. Right. So they didn't, they didn't understand how, you know, a kid would have a couple years of wrestling in high school, would just take him down. Right. You know, if you don't, if you don't practice stopping shots or you learn how to do stand-up grappling, everybody will take you down. Right. Did you ever wrestle, like, as a kid? Like, I didn't, no, no, I didn't wrestle in school, no. Oh. No, no, no. Yeah. So you guys were like, you guys were doing, there was competitions in Southern California at the time, oh, like yeah. in the early 90s, like yeah, against, you've been, you've been the pretty, our, our pretty late successful 90s. competing, right? Yeah, yeah, I won, I won, uh, I won the Pan Ams twice. Was that and, in Brazil? Uh, no, that was in the States then. Yeah. I went to Brazil, I fought, right after I got my black belt, I got, I got second, I had a, um, a dislocated, uh, I dislocated my ankle and uh, I got dislocated again in the finals, oh. ah. so I lost. That was in the Mundials. That was the Mundials, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What year, what year was this? So this is when the Worlds were still in Brazil. Yeah, it was, I think it was probably one or two years before they came to the California. All right. And the Pan Ams were in California then. Yeah. I fought in the Pan Ams. Yep. So I fought in the I remember the first times. couple were in Florida right. or something, right? Yeah. And then they so, were in Santa Barbara, yeah. and then they you know, came back. Kissing me. Orange County. Yeah. Yeah. That's where this is funny. This is like right around yeah. when I started to compete in the Pan Ams. Like mm-hmm. when I was. Did a, you come with us to kiss me? No, I never went to Florida. Okay. But I was at the first Pan Ams in uh, California. In California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And was the, that was that University of Santa Barbara? Yeah, that was when I was yeah, in yeah. Santa yeah, Barbara. Yeah, because we were there. Yeah, we mm-hmm. were all there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was a brown belt then. I thought. Yeah, I fought there. Yeah, that was a good turn. That's amazing. That, that's a beautiful I, I was, place, man. I was a blue belt, and I almost got arrested with Mike Littlefield and. Uh, and Kenny and see, and it's not just me. No, it's not just me. With that cast, but I'm, I'm still allowed. Those cast of characters, man. But Woo. that's what you know. Allegedly, Woo. allegedly. Wow. Um, so just to sidetrack, and this is actually something I was thinking about, and I heard on another podcast. Um, they were talking about in China, you were a stunt man. Oh yeah, right? what? Yeah, man. So like, let's hear about. Um, <laughs> I so when I you know I first went I. I, you know, I got jobs teaching English on the side and all that stuff. And then, um, I was doing the martial arts and one day I knew this Canadian guy and, uh, he goes, Hey, you, they need white dudes to be ex- an extra <laughs> token in white this. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Token. <laughs> yeah. To be extras in this movie. And I'm like, I don't know how he goes, no, no. You, you know, he goes, you just go and we're like in the background and you just sit around waiting all day and they'll pay you like a like hundred yeah. bucks. Yeah. So, you know, I was in school. I was like, sure. So I went there <laughs> and it was some kind of like police fighting gangsters in a bar thing. And um, they had some white, some white stunt guy, and he got hurt. And uh, the stunt coordinator just looked at everyone, and he goes, hey, can anybody here fall? And I was like, yeah, I can fall. So he goes, yeah, come here. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it was interesting. They actually, they actually like, hit me and then put me on a bar and then pulled me along the bar. And <laughs> me on the the, all nice. the glasses, the glasses. Like, exactly. through the glass. Exactly. Oh, I can picture it. And, um, How is this not a Steven Seagal movie? Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it became one eventually. And then... So, you know, I was doing fine because they just dragged me along the bar and, and they had a pad, you know, they dropped me in this thing. And the, one of the, the stars was some, he, he wasn't a martial arts guy, he was an actor. So he, he like fucked it up like 30 times. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I had to do this over and over and over and I got done and then the stunt guy goes, oh, you know, you could do this for a living. I was like, I never want to do this again. <laughs> I literally, literally, I felt like I, it was worse than fighting. But then, you know, he gave, he, I gave him my number and he called me and then after I started to go and then I, I you know, I got some, I, 
Yeah, I wasn't an actor, I was, but yeah, I got yeah. some parts in movies, you know. Nice. Can, can, we, was, can we see any of these films? Um, nah, probably. I mean, I have a couple at home, you know, I got, but, nice. but uh, yeah, you probably, you probably couldn't run anymore now. Yeah. So it's, quite seriously, what we need to do is find an image from one of these movies. That will I was, be, I was that will be say, the podcast. I was going to get it right now while you guys oh, were doing man. this. Oh, got, yeah. Well, got, so what got, were the names of the I got movie, movie posters at home. Oh, oh man, man. We got to see these things. <laughs> so what were the, uh, what, it, yeah, they're all Chinese. I mean, they're all Chinese. They're that's okay. That really makes like, it even better. What, what were the movies called? Um, that's, uh. What the big some of the well they're not big the bigger ones there like there was one Miguel Boards it's like a it was a based on a true story about this half Chinese guy who was a gangster so I was like his body you know bodyguard I was always always like uh, how do you say that again <laughs> Miguel Boardsai in in Chinese it's like the American you know gangster guy nice so I would do stunts and and you know a lot of shooting and jumping out of stuff and very you know, cool things blowing up yeah that's amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is amazing so. <laughs> Did you ever incur any, like, you know, you seem like a pretty healthy guy. Like, have you gotten any major injuries from, like, stunts and, like, your martial arts training and BJJ? Like, yeah. have you gotten some pretty serious stuff yeah. happening? I, I, the stunt, now that, uh, being for jiu-jitsu, I have. Yeah, yeah. training in jiu-jitsu I mean, mostly. Because when I did stand-up, it was mostly, like, contusion injury, you know, getting hit. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And jiu-jitsu has been joint injuries, so, you know, yep. I've had several surgeries. and How, uh, and I mean, stuff. you've been training a long time, and you're probably about my... Weight class, I would say. Like, oh, yeah, 155? Yeah, I mean, a little smaller, but I'm... This is in the it, 70s, right? You hey, started do they have really, weight really classes when I was in the Little kid. League World Series? No, man, we we play them all. We play all these guys. But right now, we're not talking about me <laughs> all right, in, the, in the Little League World Series. I'm curious, like, about... Um, because, man, I get... I, I'm thinking, like, how do, you, how do guys... The longevity, like... Being I take a smaller a beat, guy. Being a smaller guy, like... Yeah. 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 Do you do you now like and you've been doing it a while? How how often do you Makaka, train right now? What are you now? talking about? You're like yeah yeah yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. Being I, a smaller guy, I take a beating. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you train? How many days a week do you I train know, now? I know how. Uh, I know how to take. Yeah. A beating. So yeah. is there like you know is there something like right now where where you're like boy I wish I would have trained this way earlier maybe more you know or I you know what I think it is is I I you know I you got to stay in shape right it's it's hard to it's not good to take too long off in between. And, um, I do like an hour of conditioning on my own a day besides teaching and rolling and all that. And mm-hmm. so I've always done that, you know, yeah. at least an hour. So I, I stretch a lot. I've always done that kind of stuff. So I think that helped a lot. And then you get injured. You just gotta, you know, you have surgery, rehab up. You just gotta start doing it. You just gotta go back. What do you do for conditioning? I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of body weight exercises, you know, a lot of jujitsu kind of exercises, Push-ups, pull-ups. Yeah. When I was young, I did, um, when I was a kid, I did a, a lot of yoga as a kid. So I do a lot of kind of inversions, like a lot of things on my hands. And I trained with gymnasts for a year when I was in college. So I have a lot of, you know, I use a lot of kind of like heavy or a little more difficult bodyweight exercise kind of things. I think that kind of stuff is huge for jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, you, so I, I late in the game as far as physical training, like, so I, I just started... I've I, I trained at a great CrossFit gym called the Fort in uh, in Hampstead, New Hampshire. Uh, Kyle Rochefort is the is the owner in there. And he's a really hip guy, like very attuned to latest you know physical training. Like not as much of a CrossFit, um, you know, uh, you know, lifting like the heavy weights like for no, speed he, or something. He does, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Not as much like every time you come in, it's like a not a thirty minute Metcon, and like yeah, yeah, he yeah. has yeah. changed the athlete that I am. That's good. Based yeah, on, good. but a lot of, I mean, the the weight training was good, but like, like you know, the the, the lifts are good, but 
just simple stuff like like ring work and pull ups yeah, and yeah. push ups. But I mobility. The, I you were say ringworm. The, mobi- the mobility alone, like the I think that's the, the that's yeah. the thing that well. we didn't know about back in the day when we first started training. We get hurt yeah. all the time. Like we'd walk onto the mat, throw down for an hour and a half, and then go home. And now that I'm, I'm not an old guy, but I'm, I'm you know, I'll be 39 this year, and like mobility has You're taken such is, is <laughs> such an important part of of my training regimen now to stay mm-hmm. mobile mm-hmm. to avoid yeah. injuries. And also, yeah. also really has a great effect on my jujitsu. Really improves oh, yeah. my ability to move. You know, also, you know, squeeze in and out of tough spots because jujitsu. You know, we learn these techniques, and you learn the technique, but when you're actually executing it, there's always like 15 percent of the technique that's different just because of the yeah. situation that you're in. And uh, just having a high level of mobility is really important to be able to kind of not only train every day, but also to train better. Yeah. I totally agree with you, Jay. So, like, I'm 55 at the time of this podcast. So, well, really? just about 55. I'll be 55. And you don't look a day over 54. So hey, nice thank day. you. Thank you. <laughs> I look good for a guy you know, who's you know, 70. Um, <laughs> but um, the thing that I find now is I need to do those, that stretching and the mobility stuff. And the, that, that's, that's the thing. I mean, like, I, you know, that's key for me because I can't, I can't get out there consistently if I'm if I'm not if I'm not like um, you know working my, my you know the stretching my joints and stuff like that. Just just no way it's gonna just I mean, I, I I just lock up now. It's just yeah. it's mm-hmm. tough. But I, I want to say this about Tim. Um, the seminar he just he just taught. Um, one of the things that Tim has put together is um, a set of. You know, everybody like now has the solo exercises and stuff like that. Who's that? Ido, whatever his name, Conor McGregor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. But but Tim has Tim has put together you know natural gymnastics and you know, yep. you know all that stuff. Functional patterns. Yeah, functional patterns. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The guy. Uh, yep. Um, Nadi or whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, 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 good. he's good. He's good. He's good too. I, I like him. But um, Tim has put together a set of body weight exercises specifically for jujitsu. Nice. I, I need this. Right? Oh yeah, you need right. this. <laughs> totally. You do. And so like I've been t- trying to tell him to like, you know, create a DVD and he's like t- it, for those who don't Tim's a modest guy. So like he shouldn't he shouldn't be because there's a lot of guys out there that are more famous than him and they're just not as I know they're not as good. So mm-hmm. like he should I told him to create a like this this DVD set and get it out there and stuff like that. But um but what he did at the seminar was he taught a lot of these these movements and like I was like, so the people at the seminar like were like, "Holy shit, this is what I do. <laughs> this is what I do when I roll. Holy shit, this is this. Oh, this is exactly the holy shit." And it was like, and Tim's like, "Yeah." So, um, <laughs> so I'll bring him back in three months. Yeah, we'll man, do, we get we'll we need to one. we yeah. need to come yeah, out. We we'll come work. down for sure. Yeah, yeah that's a, I, I've been yeah. thinking this the whole time. I would love yeah. have it, it's love to have you at Port City. Yeah, yeah. because and because I'll be honest be. with you. In all seriousness, you, you you roll with Tim, and he's like, you know, like. For a guy his age, and I'm not saying that, you what? know, just, <laughs> yeah, that's a really yeah. mean thing to Whoa. say. Yeah, so I'm I'm his age, so uh, I can say it. But like he he can do things with his body because he he does these these exercises like he does it for an hour a day. You know, like right. it's like he just conditions. It's like amazing, and I'm like thinking. Oh man, it's like he, he opened if I my had, eyes. If I had a little bit of Tadashi in my game, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like how it, much yeah, better I could it, be. Man, if I could stretch a little bit like Tadashi, or I could do something like Tadashi, or like be with Asian thing, like him. Yeah. 
<laughs> or handsome like him. Right. But 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 like seriously, I mean like it'll it'll up your game so much because you're you're absolutely right about that. And like like that CrossFit box you work out at, that's 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 awesome. Because yep. it makes a huge difference in, in that whole conditioning thing. Kool-Aid, that's what I was trying to think of. Like it's not the because the the, the classic CrossFit gym is like you go in every day. It's a forty-five minute Metcon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It's over and over and over again. No, but your CrossFit box is good, man. That's yeah, man. He's he's got really effective training techniques. They get it, you know. And he works with he he knows a lot of the MMA trainers around. Mm. So he's like for for jujitsu, he puts a ton of emphasis on the push and pull, push and pull. You know what I mean? Things like you know, like nothing. I don't do anything that is. Uh, the the concept of kipping and things like that's all like strict muscle ups and mm-hmm. strict pull ups yeah, and stuff like that. I think that is epically important for jujitsu. Uh, that the, the ability to push and pull oh and have God, a strong yeah. core that is everything in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter if I could squat five hundred pounds. Like I just need to squat two hundred. Right. You know what I mean? I need to be able to push the guy away. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I need to have. But the other things are so critical, and the mobility is so critical yeah. for jujitsu. And you don't realize it when you're twenty. Yeah, yeah, because you got it right. Yeah, but when you're 55, you don't have it. Yeah, but this is—I mean, like, oh, you can have it. Every single person <laughs> in, this, in, in the room right now wants to be able to train jujitsu until the day they die. Right, and it's not going to happen without the mobility. Right, piece. exactly. So I like. Where can I find your mobility stuff? Like, I come wanna, to the next seminar. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be there. We'll, I'm we'll, going to we'll, be there. <laughs> and then we'll and then we'll have Tim come up to Port City. Nice. nice. Let's do it. Let's and, do it. And to all you other gym owners out there, we'll have them do a road show in New England, man. Yeah. Contact Macaco, Joe Bellany at fistfitnessgym.com, baby. <laughs> See? So he was hesitant to do it at first. No, I know. I love this shit. But the now. reason why, that's, that's a, <laughs> it's fun, right? That's a huge fear I have is like I'm 41 and I have constant baby. like hip and lower back yeah. issue, man. And it's Me like, too, yeah. I think I'm like, man, am I going to be able to do this? Like for long term, but and yeah, you know, it's kind of you have to ch- sad like, sometimes. I'm like, I don't know. You know, Jay and I had a conversation about this at one time briefly, and it was like, you know, he said, you know, how do you, you know, Makako, how do you do it? It's like, it was like, you know, you just gotta, you know, you gotta, it's technique, 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 but also you just gotta accept the fact that bigger, stronger athletes who have just as good technique with you. And a younger than you have more endurance, more more power, more speed, blah blah blah. And you know you just have to stay. The only thing that you can't stay ahead of their energy curve or their athleticism or something like that, but you can stay ahead of their their technical curve. And and and, and that's that's really the only thing. But you but as Tim said, you cannot lax in that physical training. You can't sit on the couch and eat ho hos all day. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. You're fucked. If you so that's do you, Tim, my do problem. You, what do you eat? Do you have a special <laughs> diet or? You know, yeah, I eat, I'll eat meat on occasion, but mostly it's a pretty straight vegan diet. Yeah. Yeah. I'll eat, you know, not crazy. I mean, don't make me eat a hot dog. Oh, Joe. That's right. Wow. Yes, I made him eat a hot dog. Just to be a masochist about it, didn't you? You crazy. No, I like hot dogs. I'm going to make you eat. So, you know, on occasion I'll eat it, but at home I I pretty much eat, I try it as much as possible. I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and that kind of stuff. We have training partners and and friends and students that that, that eat that way, and they... They really, uh, they speak volumes about how they avoid injury, but their energy levels seem to be really high, very uh, healthy digestive system, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think there's some merit for it. Unfortunately, my problem is that I love steak. I love I it. I thought it was that you like Fruity Pebbles. 
Hey, why don't you don't you talk about my See, fruity pebbles? This dude. is the reality. You here. just leave my fruity pebbles alone, and don't you ever mention fruity pebbles in my like. That's a close personal relationship I have with my. He's fruity always pebbles. like fruity pebbles. Yeah, yeah. he loves them. <laughs> They're delicious. <laughs> he loves them. It's the greatest food on the planet. I'm 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 fascinated with so much of this conversation. I'm going to jump in just for a sec. So right there, you you said you you, you follow this vegan diet. Is this something you've done for a long time? Yeah, I mean I. Probably the last, uh, well, not super a long time. I would, I would guess about five years, maybe. You know, I mean, it, maybe not as strict as now. The last year or so more, but is but this a health thing, or I, I don't mean to yeah, pry, but mostly, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a health thing. Yeah, yeah, mostly for health. I like little animals too. You know, yeah, oh, yeah. So right. mostly healthy. What's knocking me out is because you started when you were very young, or, or yeah. whatever. You started in the seventies. When bit. did you actually get to China? Um, eighty. Eighty-four. So still a long time ago. How long? How long did you study in China for? Eleven years. Eleven years. Right. Eight so the connection. I'm, I'm interested in the training at that point. I realize it wasn't jujitsu training, right. but in the training, sort of the, the concepts that we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. What was it like then? I mean, we're, we're, this is an opportunity for us to sort of hear about some of the stuff that we're pretty much not going to hear anywhere else. What was the training day like in, like, say, the late '80s in? Whatever you happen to be training at that time. Were there other Americans there um, with you? Most of the teachers, no. And there's, you know, some different teachers. But, uh, you know, it kind of depends on your emphasis of where you're training. And so the Chinese, um, at that time especially, there, were, there weren't like big academies of anything, unless they were government-run. And the government-run ones were more like uh, competitive forms training. So for the, the guys who taught like kind of like real kind of martial arts with the, the fighting, combat, oriented martial arts, you usually had to... You know, if you found them, they kind of check you out. And then if they, you know, they thought you, you'd be a good student, you'd be a student, you usually train in their, their home in the park or, you know, it'd be a private. They have a few, they only usually, have, in general, have a few kind of close students. Right, because you, you can't be some Chinese dude who knows something about fighting and say, hey, I'm going to open up a, a, a gym. It doesn't work that way, right? I mean, not, it's a lot more codified than now, that, right? Now, now more. Now, I mean, no, people, no, I understand. Yeah, but I mean, back, there, back in the day, no, not so much. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so what was that day like? I'm sorry, Jay. No, it's all right. I, just to go level deeper, I, it's a great topic. Culturally, what is it like to kind of, you know, did you face a lot of, I mean, were you widely accepted? Or culturally, what is it like to try to immerse yourself in not only in the Chinese culture, but in the Chinese martial arts culture? I think the 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 best teacher, the best guys, you know, the, the, the teachers that I found that had kind of dedicated, you know, they dedicated like their whole life to doing whatever style and all that. They They just appreciated anybody who wanted to train hard. So I never ran into any kind of you know prejudice that way. Um, they're all they're pretty open. You know, that's an am- that's an amazing currency. That seems to be pretty universal. That if yeah. if you have an instructor and you're willing to do what the instructor is asking you to do, yeah. and more, and put yourself into it and bring some sort of sense of honor to that actual transaction, that seems to be the currency. Is yeah. that is that that's sound true. correct? That sounds about right. Yep. Yeah, Which is funny because you, you we're led to believe it's otherwise. Based on the movies we watch and things like that, like Kwai like, Chan King, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly what exactly. I'm talking about. Here. That <laughs> is know, exactly. I feel you, George. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> you know, uh, we're led to believe that you know if you if you go to these places, they're gonna uh, you're gonna have to fight some kind of like kill Bill, man. But you I know? but I do every place I've ever gone. The common thread is hard tra- good old fashioned hard training. Not disrespectful, but good old fashioned hard training. Everybody respects that. Yeah, yeah there, I mean, there's a little, a little bit, not not like the movies, but there's a little bit more of the, there's a little bit more um, protocol and etiquette. You know, it'd be, a little, it'd be actually, it's different. You just say it's it's different. You know, like in Japan, it's different. So, 
you know, but basically if you're sincere and you're polite, you, you know, you'll be fine. Yep. Even if you don't know much about the culture. Yep. Were you training all day that at that point or? Yeah, I would train, I would train, um, the, I would train on my own in the morning for a couple, three hours and then I'd go to school and then I'd usually work in the afternoon and then I'd train at night for a couple, three hours. He just glossed over that. That's right. his morning training. Yeah. yeah, we train a lot. Oh, yeah. And then at night we would train, you know, we'd train with the teachers for a couple, three hours a day. It was, it was like a. Not commercial. It was a big, you know, it was a, you'd stay sometimes as long as they wanted you to stay. Were those classes sort of scheduled out? Were you, were you do a warm up or would you, were they very free form or was it really private? Mm, no, no, yeah, they were, they, were, they were fairly scheduled out. I mean, we would do, uh, yeah, certain exercises, the same ones, like warm ups, and then you'd practice forms. You know, you'd do solo movements, the teacher would correct you, and they talk a lot about your body mechanics, your body use, and then there'd be pair training and then sparring, you know, right. that kind of thing. And were there, you're in the, you're, uh, training with people. If you're in, you know, when you were in China, you were training with people from all different, like kind of like a jujitsu. Like there's there's people that want to compete, and there's people that are doing it for self defense. Or were you part of kind of a more elite group that was after that hardcore training? Yeah, because it kind of depended on the teacher. So some of the teachers, you know, they'd only teach Tai Chi for health, you know, and that all their students would just be doing for. But the the places I train, I mean, people were kind of interested in the fighting, so everybody was into the same thing. Right. Yeah. Were it wasn't the, wasn't it wasn't like you know half the guys wanna wasn't a mixed group as not much. so much like not we so see much. like you see on the mat every day you know what I mean some people will just yeah. they want to train to be healthy other people want self defense right. yeah. other people want a gold medal in the Mundials you yeah know what I mean? and not everybody wanted to fight but they had to be interested at least you know you had to do do uh, combat oriented stuff right yeah. did right. you find that that kind of instruction was focused on making all of the students the same or was it a really different kind of thing for you and maybe because you have different, you know, body type or whatever. I, I mean, I would compete. So maybe a little different, you know, a little, I mean, some, some of the guys, you're not going to fight in the ring or they're not, they weren't as interested in it. They might spar with you, but yeah, maybe a little different training if you're going to do different, different things, but so, everybody followed the same basic structure. And did the, did each school have like their style? Did you have to fit the school style? Yeah. How yeah, did, yeah, yeah. So did you ever much. go? Did you ever go from one school to another? How yeah. could you? Was that horrible? I mean, was that a major deal for you to do that? Do you have to move to like five hours away or? Um, there, a bit like old school jujitsu back in the day. You know, you, when you train with one person, I mean, you, you really didn't train maybe at two schools at the same time, right? You know, but I trained with a teacher for usually years, you know, and then I'd I'd go to another one. And you also have to get a letter of introduction. Sometimes. So it's like, yeah, so it's like... Almost like a resume or a yeah, know, recommendation. Well, recommendation. So like when he would go to the mainland and when he, he went, he, I'll, I'll just talk for him for a second, but he, he, he trained with a guy who was like a badass, bad, badass. During the Cultural Revolution, uh, the Chinese government put a lot of these martial artists in, in jail because they, you know, and, and this guy worked, uh, I think he worked for, like he was on the Shanghai Shek side, so during the revolution, and they... Uh, Liang Liang Keichuan, and so like Liang Keichuan was like a, a, a martial artist that like actually was um, like the real deal, kill people, right? So it's like um, like like during the Cultural Revolution, like trying to overthrow the government, you know, during that whole up, up but they put him in jail for thirty years. Jesus. So so what he did for thirty years is he practices his Xing Yi forms and stuff like that. You know, like a Xing Yi is a uh, a really good good fighting art, like you know, like bare bare bones, straightforward kind of deal. Mm-hmm. It's, Xingyi's like, like, people who know Xingyi, they're fucking tough. Like boxing. Yeah, it's like boxing. It's tough. Okay. And so, um, 
So Tim was living in Taiwan and he studied Xingyi and he got a letter of introduction from one of his teachers in, ta- in Taiwan, in Taipei. And, and he flies to Beijing and he, and he literally like gets to train with Liang Keichuan, who was just released from fucking prison. And Tim, you know, he has a one bedroom apartment. This is like Mike Tyson getting out of jail. Yeah. Right. He has a one bedroom apartment. And Tim, like, and, and this is the true story. I'm not embellishing it at all. Like slept on the cement floor and during the day. I mean, during the night, and then he would train with Leon Keichuan and Xing Yi during, and, 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 you know, you spend 30 years in a, chi- in, a, in a communist Chinese prison back in the day, he was, he was batshit crazy. <laughs> right. He was yeah, fucking crazy. He's yeah. like, his mind was fucking blown. Right. But because Tim was sincere, he would show him all the fucking tricks, you know? Yeah, he was a famous, uh, wow. he was famous when he was young and the Japanese occupied and he, they, they'd have those platform fights, you know, they, so the Japanese would get like some judo master or expert and they'd beat up all the Chinese kids. <laughs> you know that kind of thing, and and uh, he won a couple of them. So they're like big news in, right. back then because you know right. they beat the oppressors. <laughs> so he was a really good fighter. And then in the war, uh, they fought the Japanese, and then the communists and the nationalists fought. He was on the nationalist side, and he was kind of some well-known, com- you know, communist killer first. Then, uh, you know, they lost, right? Right. So they put him in the re-education thing. Yeah, he was in. He was in re-education, right? And then it means he, fucking jail. Ugh. It was kind of jail. Fifteen years and fifteen years of having to stay way. in the same place. Yeah. And then when I met him, he was already in his late seventies, and uh, he was famous. I mean, he's a famous martial arts guy, but yeah, he was great. He, he, he you know, he was crazy. But I mean, to, how to, many people? Really good guy, but he, you know, it's just too much yeah. break with oh, reality yeah. for right. him. Right. How many but people awesome. have have a? Uh, I'm trying to think of a good way to put this, but their experience in martial arts is that forefronted. Yeah, that, not too that, many. This guy really killed people with his hands. Right. You know, and, and you're and sleeping was, on you're sleeping 70s. on a concrete floor yeah. to train the next day. You know what I mean? It's we are all uh, even my own. You know, I never had a, a martial arts experience like that. You know what I mean? A couple guys, if you remember back in the day at, at Roberto's, you know, they would fell wayward and like Roberto can I sleep yeah. on the sleep on the yeah, mat yeah, at night? Yeah, like yeah, some yeah. some guys had that going on. But what you're describing is you are walking the path. The way that we all talk about walking in the path and living the life, like well, it doesn't get any more literal than what you're right. describing, and yeah. I find that amazing. amazing. This is this amazing. Is, this is the fascinating thing. So, Tim, at that time, uh, it's kind of a big question. I don't. know, Maybe you can help break it down. Why? What is driving you to do this? What? I understand you're in China. You're already there. You're. That's three quarters of the answer, I'm sure. But <laughs> what is driving you to push yourself to this? point did you have a specific goal that you were going after or were you following up something feeling? even drove you because you went to china to go do this right i mean that was your right idea but i mean at least at the time while you were there well you know i i originally started doing martial arts because you know we did I, we'd fight all the time when we were kids basically you know and it was like oh, i'll learn some you know karate i don't you know whatever right and then it gave me direction in my in my youth you know so um so, so what was the very first thing you did? You, what gave you the direction there? Well, I, I started, I think I did, I did Taekwondo for a few months. There was not much around. Then I found this kind of Kung Fu, sti- a Kung Fu style that was self-defense oriented. And that was it. So, you know, I started just to train all the time. And I'm not really sure why, but it was a little bit obsessive maybe. May I ask you, was it, was it the style, the time? Was it the instructor? I mean, did you just make it? What was that connect? There must have been something must have made a connection. I mean, the style, the style I liked it when I found the Kung Fu because it was all, it was all based on kind of self-defense and fighting and that's what I, you know, that's what I was looking for I guess and then um, I don't know I don't remember why because I was just a child but I just started I mean it became like uh, obsessive and then I was I don't know why I was just driven so, so I wanted to go to China and I, 
I can add some context. So, like, where Tim grew up in Southern California, what, you know, he didn't grow up in uh, fucking Manhattan Beach or something like that. I mean, like, so he grew up in a tough neighborhood, you know? So it's like his, his, his parents were awesome. Um, his, his dad was awesome. Um, Pop was awesome. Yeah, and his mom was really cool. But it was not, um, we'll call it uh, upper middle class. No. So like, right. so, you know, it was kind of scrappy, you know, like, you know how Nate Diaz 209, yo, you know, it's kind of like that. So, okay. so that was probably a lot of drive. I'm, not I'm, not I'm, as I'm, much I'm, like Weston in the house. Yeah, exactly. Not <laughs> as much. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was probably the drive. That was original. I, I just, yeah, I wanted to learn how to fight better. Did, did you ever, when you, when you were there, did you ever want to quit? Did you ever, did you want to bail? I don't think so. No. What do you, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you chalk that up to? I don't. I really don't know. I, okay, I, that's I cool. Just, uh, I, I know these yeah. are super big questions. I mean, they're not easy yeah. to I just, to sort of wrap around. But you know, when you're young as well. I mean, you have you know, when you're young and you have ambition to, oh, yeah. to do something, you really like it. It's you don't have any. You're not married. You don't have any responsibilities. You per say so. You can yeah. You can just focus on what you want to. You do. have a, a momentum, right? And then the better I got, and you know, I wanted to find other teachers, and I want then I wanted to compete and see how I did, and right. I just I never really stopped to think about it. Actually, I think it's you know it, th- this topic is something that I thought about. What, like, why do I? We all have enough, yeah. right? To to be more than adequate in self defense. Mm-hmm. So there's two things that drive you beyond just the self defense thing. And I think it's a and it's a combination. Is probably a is a desire to know. Like, if there's more, I want to know it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, how much further? How much? How how much deeper in the rat hole can I go? Right. Or the rabbit hole, I guess, is a good way of putting <laughs> what it. What kind of rat hole? And B, <laughs> the desire to be the best. Yeah. Like, and yeah, you want to win. And you want to win. You know what I mean? And, and I think it's always some combination of those two things that drive people beyond just, can I defend myself on the street? And the answer very quickly becomes yes, because it doesn't take that much training no. um, right. to get to that level. Yeah. And, then, and then you're like, but I want to know the counter, the counter, the counter, and I want to be so good at it that, you know what I mean. And I, you know, and sometimes I I practice what I preach here. But it seems like Tim, like you've been living that life for a long time. Yeah, and you're exactly correct. I mean, you can you can learn enough self defense in probably a few months. I mean, to to you know defend yourself against most people. I think I agree exactly with what you said. And I, there's also like an element of self cultivation, right? So you want something like you know you have a job or you have I mean you, you can be fulfilled however in your life, but Sometimes you want something. Maybe maybe your job's not challenging anymore, or maybe you you know you do the same thing. And people people want to have, you know, they want to be challenged. Most people and whatever they want to be challenged with something. You know, that's people can do all kinds of activities. You know, if you like martial arts, or maybe maybe you had a background in it. You know, and it, it just becomes kind of a path of self cultivation. And then, it, and even competition, it's not like I want to kick someone's ass. You know, you, you want to compare. You want to get. You want to compare yourself to yourself. So there's always someone better than you. You, you know, you're never going to be, uh, unless you're that one dude, you're never going to be the best guy in the world, right? Right. So you, but you say, you know, am I better than I was a year ago? So you have like, you know, these, these, these goals and it's like a self-cultivation thing. And, it, and I, I, think it's, I think it's just in the human psyche. It's, it's something that gives you a sense of fulfillment and, you yeah. know, your I life's th- more interesting. And I think this is an important, important part because it's, am I better than, than a year ago? And I think your goals need to change. Because, you know, I started jiu-jitsu th- at 37, and I recently, Tim and I were looking at footage of us in 1999, 
when you, you know, this weekend, you know, right. because we had fi- footage of, we would film the seminars. And so like, you know, you know, things, I, you know, things move, I, I would move a little bit probably faster or more efficient. And then I, lo- then I look, I was recently looking at a DVD. I mean, uh, one of the film of t- in 2000 at Roberto's old Academy and in John Connors, Tadashi, me and a guy named Rob Mitra were taking a private with Henzo. Mm-hmm. And, and Henzo was showing us some um, um, open guard, you know, kind of setups. And I was looking at those things and I was like, wow, I moved really good. So, so it, you know, there's a, there's a certain like level of like my goals, my goals back then, you know, because I competed in the 2000 Pan Ams, right? Right. So, but my goals in, you know, that was in 2000 and it's, and it's 2016 now. My, like my goals now are different a little bit. I mean, I still want to, it's self-cultivation. I still want to get better, but I want to be like a really, the, a, the best teacher I can. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. So it's like, it's, you know, it, 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 am I going to go and win Pan Ams? Maybe in my division, but not, not, not in the regular division. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So. So your goals need to change well, a little bit, you know, that perspective, I, to, you know. If I may, though, let's let's be a little honest about what the division. So you talk about the Pan Ams in the world, those are the two biggest jiu-jitsu tournaments in the world. Um, your divisions are going to be difficult no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Medina just the other day, and I was like, you know, we're trying to decide this coming year, like kind of uh, I've decided to drop a weight class, and um, he's in light heavy, and I was in heavy, and I'm going to go to light heavy, and will be kind of like flirting with the same division. And I'm like, yeah, but... So if I stay in heavyweight, I'm going to have to deal with Salo. Right. That's not awesome. Right. Um, He's pretty good. win, though. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah if you win, say, yeah. not awesome. Man, Salo. Yeah, no, right. and, and, and I'm totally okay with that. But, yeah. like, you know what I mean? I, I would... Because where's the downside? Like, you walk onto the mat with no nervousness at all. Like, oh, if I lose, what, nah, what do I got to lose? Go for it, man. And, 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 and that's awesome. I'm psyched for that. And you know what I mean? And the next weight class down is, like, uh, Dave Camarillo, yeah. uh, Gorginho. Uh, I had uh, Eduardo Tellis in my division, Flavio Almeida. Like, yep. these guys, you talk about, like, oh, I'm not going to win the, the regular division. I'm like, there are legends. Oh, my God, yeah. No. In the Masters divisions, yeah. the Pan Ams. In fact, in a lot of in, in some circumstances, I think that those those divisions are. No, I I totally agree. I didn't mean to demean it. You know, not yeah. not, not at all. Yeah, uh, not not at all. I, I mean, like if I, you want to go fight Pacheco, no, that's up to you. And what, that, yeah, and, yeah, that's what I meant. That's like, gonna suck. Yeah, that's what I meant. I mean, like uh, <laughs> you know, me fighting in the regular division. You know, right? Not, the adults and uh, the good news is I'm in Master Five now, Jay. Okay. So you know, wow. You walk out. They with, have that. Yeah, they do. You walk out with a walker and, and, and on crutches or a wheelchair. They we we, we out. Yeah, and, and they do rounds, and in between rounds, <laughs> I guess they give you vitamin C. And they stuff. do, and they give they you IV, Geritol, IV, yeah, give more Geritol. Yeah. Um, talk about Puchecha. Uh, that's a good segue. Why don't you ask him a little bit about uh, who he's trained with and uh, some of the uh, Puch- Let's hear some it, of those yeah. guys. Let's I just get pissed when we talk about this because like ah. we don't have that capability. Like, oh well, I went five miles east and. Train with Puchecha, but we talked class together for a couple years. Nice, wow, really at the ace, yeah. When was that? Um, Let's see. He was been he stopped he stopped teaching there about uh, maybe a year and a half, two years ago. So four years ago, when he was winning his world championships, that's when he was there co-teaching with Tim. Yeah, he quit. He won every he won everything. 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 Oh yeah. 
Everything. And uh, this is a, a really in- interesting topic for me. We were talking about like the physicality of the sport, and he really changed over the years, right? He was a thinner guy. Yeah, he's like he's he's uh, like a perfect specimen. Like phys- like uh, his athleticism, his physique. His, I mean, he's he's like the perfect storm of a jiu-jitsu competitor. Right. I don't think you can improve on on Bushaja. Yeah, and he's you know. but but he was a, he was a smaller guy when yeah, he was he younger, got, he right? Got yeah, he's tall, skinny. I think he just grew into his muscles. Right. Not fair. No, yeah. Not, <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> not not, not, not at all. fair. Yeah, he he's he's you know like that one percent exceptional athletic physicality. So right. so who was the best guy you ever rolled with, Tim? Hickson. Nice. <laughs> So back in the day, was this back in the day? Like no, I trained. He 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 teaches at Crone School. His sons, yeah, and uh, he yeah. started teaching classes last year. So I would go. No on kidding. On Wednesdays, <laughs> I would go on Wednesdays. Yeah, I remember Wednesdays uh, with Hickson. Right? But it was Tuesdays with Maury. Wednesdays with Hickson. It's 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 funny that you say that because so I just recently went to a seminar up in Saratoga Springs with Hickson. I was really apprehensive. I'm like, oh, these like these big guys. Yeah, and it's going to be a big seminar. Yeah, these are crowded. Huge. Yeah, and, and you huge. just you you wonder what it was kind of like a bucket list thing, and I was like, I just want to, yeah. I want to be able to check. You know, I'd met him a couple because he's not, you know, you go to a jiu-jitsu tournament, you go to the Pan Ams, the world's like the all the celebrities are there that you bump shoulders with them every every time you're there. But I wanted to kind of spend some time like listening to Hicks and talk about jujitsu, and he taught. And everybody listening to this, you're going to listen to this and you're going to say this is stupid. And I know I talked about this when we were on with Nate, but he taught mount escape, scissor sweep, arm bar, a couple other things. And my mind was fucking blown. I'm like, I've been training for 17 years and I don't know any jujitsu. <laughs> I've been escaping mount the wrong way for 17 years, like literally. Hmm. And I, you know, everybody talks about Hickson. The other, you know, they talk about Hickson like he's a god, and you dismiss it as as saying like, well, if you you know you look at Hoffa or Guy, these guys know like so many techniques, and they're so proficient doing these certain things. But Hickson will beat you with what you learned as a white belt, and. You know, and you got to get on, you got to get on the mat and roll with him. Yeah, I've rolled him a few times. What's, what's that a like? Cla- yeah, what's a class with Hickson like? Oh, his class just you know the the normal format. You warm up, and you do exercises. Then you know he teaches techniques, and then when the class is over, he um, when I've been there, the times I've been, he'll he'll sometimes he only rolls with the black belts. You know, like he'll roll with a couple of black belts. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. You know, and you can ask questions. He's he's very approachable. You know, really really a nice guy. You know, he'll he Hickson's got that. Uh, he never just, in my opinion, when I, he never just says stuff, you know, he always, he always has like, he'll, he'll think about what he's going to say. And he's, he's always, it, it's obvious. He's always trying to get a, a specific point across, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, very interesting. Uh, you'd listen to Hicks if you didn't know jujitsu kind of, you know, it's just a fascinating guy, you know, Yeah. but it's, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's, um, he's a really good teacher. He'll, he'll go to everybody in the, in the class I and mean, people he doesn't know, no matter what size, and he'll let you do the technique on him so he can feel it. Which is interesting, you know. I mean, it's a little scary when you, you know, how people are sometimes. Yeah. You, know, you know who they are, right? So he'll do it. And he really, really wants to convey his his concepts of his invisible jujitsu. Yep. So it's uh, it's interesting, and and I he kind of the way the way I saw it was he, it's not really for beginners. These classes he teaches, he just assumes you know like all the basics, and then it's all about like making them perfect. 
Woods was is his style of running class. Is he a is he kind of loose or is he running like a drill sergeant? Like kind of. No, I mean it's structured. You know, warm ups, technique and roll. People mm-hmm. roll at the end. He maybe does, maybe doesn't. So his. I, he, he does uh, it also d- seems to do a big variety of stuff like like you know you might defend against punches to the clinch and then do maybe a judo throw you know and on the ground stick his his from what I from what I can tell he organizes it more along the lines of conceptual lines like you know like mm-hmm. normally we teach you know I armbar you defend I triangle you know whatever yeah. and we I teach go, that chain of techniques that chain right? yeah I go from yeah I, I go from you know hip sweep to kimura to Hickson, I think it's more organized around conceptually. Definitely, the seminar was that way because mm-hmm. the the techniques. He te- technically speaking, the techniques were very disjointed, right. but conceptually they were all similar. Correct. That that's then that's basically you know what the classes were like. When you, when you train with him, do you do you one do you start standing or sitting? When I rolled him, we just start on our knees. Yeah. And does yeah. he like the role? Like, does he like lead the way? Like, like what? Oh, he can pretty much do anything. But I mean, like, <laughs> does he kind of let you do your thing and see and feel you out and you a little know bit? What I mean? think or the very like, the, the first time we rolled, yeah. He, I mean, he went. I felt like it was easier on me. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, after that, it was. I mean, when he, like, I don't know if he's, if you know, he went from Z to Y game, or you know how how much. Yeah. But yeah. Then later on, you know, it, it was it, when he. When he kind of turns it up a little bit, it's you know it's like you don't know any. It's hard to move like you don't know what you did. You can't. I feel like I couldn't do anything, and that's what I saw with everyone else too. Even guys much bigger. I've heard that uh, his he's like a he's like a I don't know if you guys ever watched Star Trek, it's the Borg. They yeah. like assimilate your data like constantly, and I and I've heard that he's like that. That he pays attention to what he, what you're doing, and he's like taking inventory for the first couple of minutes. And he's like, okay, now I know your game, and I'm just going to shut you down. Yeah, could yeah. Well, it's, that's know. what that's from a boxing perspective. That's what Mayweather does too. You know, Mayweather is very, very like savant like like that. I mean, like what, love him a lot or hate him, but that's what Floyd's the best defensive boxer was the best maybe ever. Uh, yeah, and that's what he that's what he did. He had that ability. Same thing. Have you heard this? Uh, I I mean, I've heard in the news that they're talking about getting a fight with him and Connor. Oh yeah, it's boxing, right? It's boxing. And was it? Fifty million bucks. It, it, McGregor should take the fifty million bucks and this right and off into get the his sunset. Ass kicked, right? Yeah, who cares? I mean, he's going to get his slats kicked in. Yeah, but, but who isn't it fifty yeah. million dollars? Isn't million this bucks. Kind of, but isn't this kind of a cop out? It's like it's like you're just selling out, man. You're 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 not that we wouldn't There's all do it. There's fifty million reasons right. for him to I know. Cop out. I understand. I understand. But the man is not poor. He doesn't need the money. Right. I'll, yeah, but he spends a lot yeah. of money, man. I'll, he spends a lot. He's got a lot of tight. If Floyd Mayweather listens to this podcast, I will fight him for fifty thousand dollars tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow. But it's you know I don't think you know we're in a unique position in the UFC now, where in MMA in general, where you're seeing guys and girls step away from the sport, saying, "I may have like it's funny." Conor McGregor lost once. Maybe we see him. Maybe we don't again. And he's gonna he's gonna cash out. Ronda, I don't think we're gonna see her again. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're they're cashing out and walking away. Yeah. Oh, they're getting more money doing. I mean, at least Ronda probably. Is yeah, I rather make movies. I rather make movies and yeah. like not get punched in the face. Right. Yeah. But uh, that's funny because I think if you look, if you talk to Damian Meyer, John Jones, they would tell you they love to fight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's all they want to do. Yeah. By the way, did you see Damian Meyer? Just was that was amazing. awesome. That was a clinic. God. 
Yeah. He's got to like, be one of the greatest jujitsu yeah. for MMA guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think all Clinic. around, though, right? Because love that all guy. Around, I mean, love that MMA, guy. Worlds. He's a world you know, champion. Yeah. Yeah. ADCC, no matter what he does, he goes love that in guy. the rule set and wins. And, he's an, and, and he's, he comes across, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but he comes across as a great guy, and he's like classy. That's yeah. why I like that guy. You know? yeah. and, you know? is, and he's a Maya. And he, oh, yeah, he's a Maya. That's right. Probably like a distant relative or something. Uh, they're related. Are they? From what I hear, yeah. yeah. They're all cousins, man. Yeah, they're all cousins. They're all cousins. They're all cousins. Is that positive or negative? I don't know. Is that a mean know. thing to say? No, I mean, that's just everybody. They're all cousins. I don't know. So you have, you trained MMA. Like when you came back, you were in, sort of doing MMA mm-hmm. in the er, of the early day. Did you ever fight in America or train? I never fought. You, no, I never you, fought like a sanctioned MMA match in America. Yeah. Mm-mm. And I ended up, you know, I was around at that time, and then I just ended up coaching yeah. a little bit. So I usually actually now, too, I, you know, it's so specialized. So like our fighters, you know, they have a separate stand-up coach, like a pro, a pro Muay Thai fighter. Sure. I teach the takedowns on the cage and the, and the ground. They have conditioning coaches. They got a nutrition, you know, there's all these different guys, a whole team of things. And a boxing coach. Yeah. A whole different <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We actually got a, a, a listener question here. Oh. So from when you were in China, was this completely, uh, obviously, uh, I would imagine it would be male-dominant. Were there any women training at the time at all? Yes, some. Um, yeah. Not, not, not a lot, but there, there were some. How would that work culturally in a Chinese setting? That, it wasn't, I mean, there was no, no taboo against it at all. I they mean, just have to make dinner afterwards. Yeah. Ouch! So, oh boy! So did you? Did, were you it's a training? Good thing someone's sleeping over there. <laughs> they. Uh, you see how I talk all big when this is. All right, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Right, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Um, were they training in a separate class? No, no, no. Yeah, the women would train. Really? They, had, they had girls that would compete. They had women's divisions. Yeah, they'd, they'd fight. Yeah. Oh, right. You know, I, I think it probably points more to you know at least my complete. Misunderstanding of what the Chinese culture well, was like in the eighties, but yeah. yeah, well, Chinese like martial arts culturally, like uh, the uh, system of Wing Wing Chun is, was developed by a woman. No, I understand. Yeah, sure. yeah. So yeah. it's really you know, right, so. but that's exactly what you'd expect. Like you say, well, of course no, but they just you know practice Tai Chi, Wing Chun, that kind so of thing. So for you know? for people like me who I literally have no idea what we're talking about, obviously <laughs> when I brought up. Kwai Chan Kane, whatever. <laughs> We're just making we, fun of you because we have the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, to but first. I mean, I would actually really like to know what are we talking like, <laughs> like what, what are we talking yeah. about? Like where, what is like like I know Tai Chi. You said Tai Chi, yeah. and I've heard of Tai Chi. Yeah, is this like all different things off the same tree, or like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like what is like what when I we, think of when I think of Tai Chi, I think of bullshit. Yeah. Well, well so, hold on. Oh, yeah. No, not, yeah. not in an offensive yeah. way, but like no. I, I, I'm. No, this is all yeah. I see. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? So let me. So here's the deal. So, um, you know, I think there was a lot of cross. And Tim can correct me on this, but there's a in in, in traditional or Chinese martial arts, there was a lot of cross. There was a lot of cross training. So you know, like studying of different arts. So like one guy was a really badass, right? And he was really good at like fighting this way and they would say oh that's george's style right you know so george has a fighting style like this because george is built like this and that's george's attributes and then like so people would say i want to study i want to fight like george man i want to i want to i want to i want to study george's style and so that would be that then you get that name like george's style you know 
And then, and then, you know, Jay would develop his style because Jay's, you know, Jay's built different, and Jay like has a different fighting style. And so, like, like you, the Incredible Hulk, exactly. So you get the Incredible Hulk, Jay Mansfield style. And so, like, kind of like what Jujitsu sort of yeah, is could be except, now, where ex- we have different styles, exactly. Right? So, like, the, the the only difference is like, so you get like a lot of the different names, like you know, and then you know, and then it was the stylization, like at my my gym, you know. Mickey and Sean, you know, I could say we, we, they fight like the Lowell boxing style. Yeah. But, you know, the guys that come in and box at, at my gym, you know, we teach them the same principles. But, like, you know, it, it's that, this is the thing about jujitsu. Like, you teach them the same principles. Personality but comes Yeah, out, personality right? comes out, and everybody has a different style. So it's like, you know, no, I don't, you know, I don't box like Mickey. You know, I don't box like Sean. You know, so it's like, and I don't do jujitsu like Roberto. And neither do you, you know? And so it's, it's like you develop your own style. But, but what ended up happening was, like, you know, th- these names kind of got ingrained, you know? Like, so it's like, you know, this style, that style. And, but, but then, and then the styles kind of, like, you know, kind of formed and concreted, and, you know, and, and they had these systems and patterns. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and they became then rigid, uh, my personal opinion. Right. They became rigid. And so, like... You know, and that's when it becomes rigid. Then the, the the individual has to fit into that square hole, square peg, right? Definitely. So it's almost like and, we could be talking about jujitsu, right? And so and so that so the idea is, to me, in martial arts, is you look at the person's attributes and where they are, and then you know you give them the concepts and the principles and let them develop their, their own from game. The, like you said, George, like based on their own game. And so that's the same thing with, with stand up, but it's nice and neat. But people, it's like religion, man. So it's like people want to just like follow this religion, and you know, the, here's the, I'm going to read a book and I got to do these ten things. And it's the same thing in like organized, like that's where traditional um, martial arts ended up. A lot of it did is like I'm going to follow these patterns and stuff like that, and that's it. It's like, well, that pattern was developed by a big fucking six foot right. five. It worked for one, one guy, one guy, Long time and, ago. And, and, and I'm and I'm like 120 pounds, and I'm five foot. Zero, you know, it's like that shit don't work for me. So this is it. It's amazing you're bringing this up because it's something I talk about all the time. Thank you. I'm very smart. You are. Yeah, you are. I feel smart. very dumb. I'm not. I mean, I'm not like not particularly good looking. No matter what you know, Tim's so, good looking. But Makako, I, you, I think about. <laughs> so I've so I've come around. Like we learn a lot. Like jujitsu is a, is an exercise in humility for your entire jujitsu career. Like you'll be like, hey, I'm finally getting the hang of this, and then. You know, yeah, you get smoked. Then you get smoked by someone. You're like, wow, they they just find the antidote for your game, and it's yeah. all always styles make matchups. But I I think about Eddie Bravo is a good example of this, and Eddie Bravo is both good and bad for oh. jujitsu, in my opinion. Thank thank you. Uh, after you talk about Eddie Bravo, I want to tell you about my new book. Okay, great, okay, good. Uh, super oh, yeah. good. And so. But you think about Eddie Bravo, like based on that on that concept. So Eddie Bravo took from Carlos was Carlos or John Machado, John Jock, John Jock, yeah, um, uh, a certain set of techniques that worked for him. So he took from the, the pool of jujitsu, the ocean of jujitsu. He said, "This is my stuff." Right. Okay. And then, but what he went and then created a style around the things that worked for him. Right. So now he's teaching a subset. Of what jujitsu really is, and now, but here's the thing: what Eddie's done is is really opened people's eyes as to how 
functional leverage really works without the gi on. I mean, I think he's a revolutionary, and he's he's helped jujitsu dramatically. But right. on the same side, I'm afraid of what happens when guys say, "I learned jujitsu, and I and and I swam in the ocean. I have all these techniques, and then I take from that my subset, and I only teach my subset." And now my students learn my subset. Right. My students say, I'm going to pick A, B, and C from the subset. And now they have their own subset. And the pool gets so small, then the, 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 the technical, well, the, the, the availability of technical expertise Right, there is, but, but doesn't, doesn't free competition erase that? I mean, only that's the if, thing. Only that's if what, you do that. Well, if that were the case, then there would be one school that would produce only, all of the techniques that won. But I mean, look at the 10th planet guys. Compete, just, right, that's no problem. The 10th planet guys were at EBI. Some of them did fantastically. And some of them got completely shut down. So it's not just the system, obviously. I, I know you're not, we're agreeing, but it's not just the system. But I think to add to that, it's if I were to go and, and subscribe to that subset and then stay only within that subset with the people that I compete with, that's where it gets a little bit tricky. Right. Let me let me. Be way, clear, I'm throwing though, this out as a question, not a statement. I'm here. not. I'm not saying it's wrong. Like you know what I mean. We the, the humility of jujitsu. It's like Am for I a while. Wrong? For a while, I was I was actually like you know I didn't I didn't like that Eddie Bravo renamed things and was like because I was hanging on to my gi jujitsu background. Right. Like yeah, that yeah. was and the ability to never name anything. By the way. This is I, I haven't been doing this very long. Boy, that uh, that drives me. Bananas. You know, we'll ha- we'll have another seven podcast names for the just same on the names thing, that right? we've we've and named I, things. I cannot, really dirty. I'm like really. I already learned this. I just tried to learn but, it again. Oh, you mean that thing we already did that but, doesn't have a name? But here's the thing: he has changed jujitsu forever because of 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 him bringing emphasis to the nogi game and how to, like the invisible yeah. collar tie and things oh, yeah. like that. Those are concepts He's that done a great job. Everybody right. needs to have right and and. You know, he's a really talented guy. You saw him tool on Hoyler. Um, you know what I mean? And that's not an easy task. Like you're talking Hoyler, right. in my opinion, is one is, is one of, you know, is an encyclopedia of sure. jujitsu. There's a handful of guys on the planet like him. Tim, have you ever rolled a to- uh, Hoyler? Um I've never just I've just I've trained with him before, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it kinda this is kinda like what you were talking about, so, I feel like, Tim, where like this, this, where jujitsu Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you roll with Hoyler too? So no, you, I've never rolled like free rolled with Hoyler. No, no, just trained with them. Took he'd class. Come to, with yeah, he come to Chris Kleber is his black belt. So you know he'd come and do seminars and nice, but not not like just rolled, roll like, you know, just drilled. That is amazing. He's as good as you say, though. Yeah. Oh, I, there's no. I've never rolled with Hoyler, but I know he's that good. Like yeah. I, you know, from an from a knowledge perspective, I think he's almost second to none. I mean, I, Hoyler's a brilliant. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu mind. So what you're talking about, though, I think is the cool part of jujitsu, where it's like ever evolving. Marcelo dis- does his thing, yeah. took his thing, yeah. created, phenomenal. added to it. Yeah. But then what in danger? Okay. What's in danger of happening is like what you're talking about, where it lost some. Some you know, it could be like losing the original thought behind it that was self-defense, or that it was a martial art. You know what I mean? And it could you could lose. That might happen. That might happen you know? with the emphasis on competition, but I think I think what you're talking about is more likely to happen pre-modern information age, because now no matter what you learn, you can see everything else you haven't learned that works. Everything else that works on YouTube, right? So you know it's and all then, there. You're also, never going to lose it, right? And also the competition. If you have competition too, if you train by some guy and he goes, "Look, 
I took the best stuff. This is the greatest part of jiu-jitsu. Learn it from me. And then you get your ass kicked over and over in tournaments. You're going to be like, well, maybe not the best stuff after <laughs> all. And you'll look around. So I think right. it, it's, you know, if you, so you, if, you, if you train in 10 Planet and it works for you, it's enough. You know, if you can't do some of the things, then you might go somewhere else and learn some other stuff too because there's, there's so many, there's so much information and, and like unlimited opportunities to train. My, you know, when I think about that, when, you, when you're talking about the availability of information, there's part of me that doesn't, that thinks that it was, there was less techniques, there were, there were less, far less techniques when we were, certainly you, I mean, you're, you were a brown belt when I was a blue belt. I mean, and that's, you know, that's, that, that's five, six, seven, eight years, nine, ten years of training in between us. Uh, but the availability of information without having to work for it. Mm. And there's that's a, a great point. There's something there where when you were learning jujitsu, you had to earn it. Yeah. You were on the mat every day and you had to earn it. Now people can just go on YouTube and see all the latest stuff. And now there's jujitsu that you just can't learn. That you, gotta you, that you gotta feel but at the same time the availability of information is just they don't have to work for it it just comes for free they can just see it and I think well, there's well, something it's not really free though you still have to train yeah and that's it, yeah. the great it, equalizing factor so and also you'd have to have some good background hands on training before you could figure it out anyway so I think that's right. what's gonna equalize I mean you, you know you can watch a lot of stuff and, and if you don't have uh, you, don't, you don't have the correct basic training you wouldn't get it anyway so you know Right. I think it's, well, I think it's kind of like yeah, that's a very yeah, point. yeah it, very that, that's point. a very valid point. But but to, but um, when you were when you were training Tim, there was no YouTube. So it's like if you saw Hol- I'm going to just go throwback like Holeta's like sweep against um, Valigi, you know, Valigi, who uh, is one of my personal heroes. Uh, Valigi, if you're listening to this podcast, contact me <laughs> at fistfitnessgym.com. <laughs> um, seriously, you guys look alike. Yeah, <laughs> he's more handsome. But, um, but you know, like, he, he, there was no footage of Holeta sweeping Valigi. They really like, do look alike, don't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. I'm telling you. That's yeah. such a mean you, thing to you, say. Hey, wait a minute. I'm going to tell him. What are you us, talking about? I'm going to tell a story. You know about I'm, not go, I'm not going any further with this. I'm going to tell you a story. I don't want him showing up at my doorstep. This Seriously. Is, this, is, this is a true story. Mario Sperry, They're good-looking right? guys. What's the problem Thank with that? You. Thank you. Um, Mario Sperry, I, uh, one of the Naga tournaments, like, years and years ago, I was in Connecticut, right? And... Um, and so uh, before the tournament, Mario Sperry was giving a seminar, right? And so, like, the guys, you know, at, you know, Roberto's guys were making, you know, we were all there, right? And, you know, I don't know, Nate and, you know, everybody was making fun of me, like, to, 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 uh, um, to Mario. And, and uh, he says, look at Makako. He looks just like uh, Valigi. Look at him. And Mario, Mar- Mario puts his arm around me and goes, my friend... You look like Brad Pitt compared to Valise. <laughs> <laughs> so I got that going for me. That's a true story. Uh, right. And it's cool. You can say it because Mario said it. Yeah, Mario uh, said yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. right so that's a true story. Yeah. Do you mind if I just wing one in from uh, left field here? Yes. All right, uh, oh, boy. So you were, in, you were in China for a while. I'd imagine that the, the experience of, of, of learning martial arts... In China, and I'm guessing just because of my knowledge of a wide range of martial arts came from China. For example, Tai Chi, which is not based on beating the shit out of someone, right? It's a it's a little bit, maybe a little more, I'm going to say artistic, just for an easy word, right? Than just Tai Chi is better than Kung Fu to kick the shit out of you, right? I mean, it's a little bigger than that, right? So do you have connection with that 
side are you a are you an uh, a visual artist do you have another are you a musician do you have any other connections do you see it as as some form of art or is this i think we love saying that word but not that many people want to back it up yeah i mean i see mma as an art you know if you look past I mean, some, 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 some of the, the forms are created to be visual, like, uh, you know, like figure skating visual. You know, people, people are judged on their, their body control and performance. Right. But, I mean, it's all, it's all artistry, right? Look, if you look, look past the violence... Look at Wing Chun. I mean, like, you have the little... You, have like, you actually have adorning the, the... Whatever you want to call the sword, the, uh, the halberd, what, so that you can see the motion. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's there for that visual pleasure as yeah. well as the identification. I think it's just right? a range of... And, and from your point of view... You know, so you can look at just just body movements through space, right? Everyone can appreciate it. You don't have to be a ballerina to like ballet, right? Yeah. And then, you know, the real artistry comes under pressure, though, for me. So I watch people when they're actually competing or fighting. You know, you look past whatever level of violence it is, and it's, be- it's like a beautiful thing to see. Do you I, mean the personality that's coming forward? Pardon me? The personality? Mm, just just mm, the, or the motion. Yeah. Just, just, the, just the, the relationship when there's people fighting or there's people competing at any level. The relationship between the fighters. Between them, right, because all fighting is a relationship. That's what I guess, yeah, personality is the right word. You understand, like, you know, how, I mean, then body movement and the technique, how people move, and and because it's not, when you learn, if if you're going to perform, like, a a form, there's no no extraneous variables, right? You just practice it on your own, and you're doing it by yourself. Nothing's going to happen to you, right? When you're fighting, though, it becomes, it's a greater art because you have someone else trying to do what they want to do at the same time. And then you see how people really, like what level of skill they really have and how they interact. Can you train instinct at that level? I, th- I think, well, instincts are inborn. You, I think what you do is you can train things till their first nature. Can you see, is that what you're talking about or part of what you're talking about in that moment? It's, in that, a, in, it's not really desperation, but it's... No, like, no, no. No, no, that's a very interesting question, uh, Duncan, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Tim a different way so he can explain it. So, um, can you talk about um, the uh, the concept of internal from an instinctual bis- perspective? Oh, he's, oh, so he's talking yeah. about like internal Chinese martial yeah. arts, like soft style martial arts. Yeah. So, yeah. what they do is place. So the body's the body, right? You, everybody generates force with their muscles and the whole the whole thing. So, but so there's different um, there's different ideas about training methodologies. So, a lot of the uh, softer kind of styles of Chinese martial arts, and other martial arts. He's just using that term because that's one I know. <laughs> from Chinese martial arts, you, they spend a lot of time on kind of creating, um, before you learn techniques, you start sparring, you, you learn, you learn, you want to, you want to make people like natural athletes. So you try to inhibit all their bad habits of motion and body use. And you try to kind of a two part thing. You try to, you try to get them back to their natural body movement because you'll never move more efficiently, more efficiently than how you're designed to move. Can I, can I just um, kind of put a, 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 you know, like a context around that? So what, he's, what he means is not doing a push-up or sit-up or something that like a natural body movement squat. What he means is this. You will instinctively move. If there's a, if there's a bee all of a sudden flying at the side of your face, you will flinch. And your, and, and your hand will I come. I won't flinch. Yeah, you won't. But your, hand, <laughs> but, but your hand will come up, right? And you'll be like, ah, right? And you'll turn your head away. And so that's what he means by a natural well, body movement. So you have you have uh, in you have ingrained uh, genetic kind of like self defense re- reflexes and responses, and they're always good, or he wouldn't have them, right? 
they, they wouldn't survive. They wouldn't have got passed down in the gene pool. That guy would be dead too young to have kids. So right. you, can never, uh, you can never override those when you're under pressure. So what you have to do is you want to take away anything that would inhibit, inhibit those. And then once you're back to that, that natural zero point, you can kind of interface them with your training. If your training's not interfaced with the natural reactions, it will fail you every time under pressure. Can you diagnose? Are those? Uh, do you see those as universal among all humans, or, right. or okay? They're so species, I, I, we, species we would have specific. These, yeah. right. I it, mean, you're, ta- you're, you're, you're talking about training the body at the most basic level. Yeah. Um, is is there another way beyond repetition to do that? Uh, well, I think I think you have to have some repetition, but I think there there are some ways are more efficient than others. I mean, you've seen. We've all seen people, you know, they, they practice something a zillion times and they still, they still don't quite get it or they can't use it. Like music, you can't, you know, you, you play scales, but eventually you got to be able to like hear the other guys in the band and you got to be able to match that rhythm. You know what I mean? That, so, but you got to learn, you got to learn how to play the instrument. Rote repetition alone will not get you that level. No. Although this repetition evolved. Did you, did you study a particular art that was focusing on this? Are you, is this collective knowledge over time? Um... So I think that, you know, all my, all my teachers that were very good, they, they might not have ex- explained things the same way, and they might have had a different emphasis, but fundamentally, yeah, I think, I think, I think all, all really good athletic trainers and people that are really good at their actual event have at least an intuitive understanding of that. So there's a little bit of a, of a pattern on the teaching side. So you're saying you have the new student, you know that they're going to probably come ingrained with a certain number of instincts, you're going to then see what is this person feeling good with and feeling you know maybe failing on that level and then are you trying to train to connect those two things yeah so like just as an example um most people by the time they're adults will have a postural flaws you know we have to sit in chairs all day and you know we're not natural living we're not (laughs) swimming and climbing forward or whatever my head's forward exactly so you know you put small children in a desk all day it's not natural right so so the first thing might be look you're never going to use your body at 100% efficiency as long as, you're, as long as your structure's not 100% correct. So maybe not 100%, but you got to get close. So the first thing you might do is go, look, it's like, it's like if you went, to learn, you went to lift weights. Say you have really bad alignment and you start lifting weights, you're exercising, but you're, you're tearing your joints apart faster than if you weren't lifting weights, right? Mm-hmm. So a good train will be like, you know, like lift your, you know, pull, contract your abs, neutral spine, elbows in, same idea. So... In a lot of the traditional styles, you might, that's where you see people standing. They stand in the horse stance. They stand in all these stances. So you want to you limit all the variables to a minimum. All they got to do is stand still. If you get that guy with bad posture and you say, stand him straight, and you, you line him up, great, great. Then you throw a punch at him. He goes right back to where he was, right? So you, you have him stand still for a month. All he does is to hold that posture. And he's inhibiting his bad habits until his brain's like, oh, I want to go back to having my natural posture I had when I was a child, basically. You know, right. that kind of idea. And then from there, you start off with very simple movements. He repeats until it's ingrained as well. And then you, and you build those until they're more complicated. And then you put them under a little pressure until he can fight. Can, so, you, can you do that with jiu-jitsu? Yeah, that's what I want to... Yeah, yeah you, can do, you, well, that's, that's you can do thing, that with jiu-jitsu. Well, but you, and jiu-jitsu is so... so it's a it's a flowing starting motion. Uh, George and I studied uh, judo just forever, uh, twenty years ago. Was when I met George, or, or maybe eighteen years ago or so. And uh, a first day, you know, this, the the guy the guy who taught us did jujitsu was a fantastic resource. Uh, an older gentleman who'd been around for a long time. But first day, day one, walk in, knees bent, back straight, right. <laughs> hands up, right. right? And you know, the last day I trained jujitsu with that guy, it's knees bent. Right. 
back straight, hands up. You can never have your knees bent, back straight, hands up enough right. to pra- ever, we ever to do that. Key practice, or yeah. whatever they call it, and you would just stand. It was a funny name for a typical, and yeah. The guy, and you would just, guys would try to break your posture, right. hanging right. on you down the mat. Yeah. Exactly. And, it, and it became easier and easier. But that's something that I grapple with uh, going into jujitsu. I'm still relatively new to this, maybe less than three years, around three years. And and the the transition. I'm a real systematic thinker. The you don't have every time we start standing up. I'm free to move anywhere I'd like. I can set up. It's like setting up all over the golf ball or whatever. You can mm-hmm. you can have a set a f- comfortable place with the jujitsu. As soon as you are rolling around, you're always you're always up against the wall. In this case, the floor. But it's you always feel like there's a, so yeah. Can you make any sort of connection to that? How do you train a natural movement? So there's an upside and downside. The good thing about jujitsu is, um, you know, if you're relatively fit and you're, you're okay and you kind of understand, you know, you know, you have to tap if you get caught, you can start rolling immediately. Right. So you get this like invaluable hands-on experience right off the bat. The downside is it might take you longer to, to correct your actual body use on the ground. So that's the per- original purpose of kata or forms. Mm-hmm. So they... Yeah, you stand boy, still, you you're lined up. Then they show you these kind of like repetitive movements till you get it in your, in your muscle memory. And then when the guy yeah. says, look, when, guy, when I throw a punch, I want you to parry. You're, you've done this now. You, it's, the movement's already ingrained. Now you just have to learn how to apply it. So, but it's a slower process. So most people will not go to a jiu-jitsu academy and stay there if the, if the instructor says, look, for the first six months, we're going to do hip move. We're going to roll. We're going to back arch, right? And you yeah. can watch. And we're going to do uh, break falls. And then after six months, we're going to do harder break falls. And we're going to combine these. You're going to go somewhere else. Thanks. So it's, it, the, ba- the downside is you could, in six months, you could already be okay at grappling, right? But if that's the right thing to do, that's the right thing to do. I realize it may not com- work commercially. I'm not saying it takes the place of rolling, right? But, I mean, how many times, Jay, has someone looked at you, you know, where they're at, where I'm at, which is sort of like, you know, somewhere halfway up Blue Belt or where we're going, oh, how come I didn't learn that like two years ago? I mean, it, it comes out of everybody's face, and you realize, well, you kind of did, but you didn't. You didn't stop and do it for two years. You just sort of left it behind and moved on, you know. And then it shows up like now. I mean, I do my half guard wrong, so my back is killing me because I don't have the right move, and I have to right. go back to square one. So I think you can. You, there's a middle ground, and I think I, it might be a bit individual on the student's part. So what? The way I the way I try to train, and everyone does really. You just it's it's a matter of a lot of times it's a student's responsibility who's paying attention or not. So right, that's what I'm getting. You at. need to instead of maybe in your warm ups running around the mat and doing jumping jacks, which are absolutely irrelevant to jujitsu. You know, you teach people to squat correctly, roll correctly, shrimp correctly, and every class. But you pay attention. You don't just shrimp like they throw their ass side to side, right? You talk right. about how to lock your arms exactly where your hips go and make them pay attention. And you explain, look. If you practice this on your own now, a little every day correctly, you'll cut years off your training time. And then, then you can still let them roll, right? And then, you know, to whatever level they're at. And then it becomes their responsibility to pay attention and their responsibility to practice on their own a little bit. Well, let's, let's put that into a, a little bit of a code. Do you have, can you make that into maybe some advice for, you know, say up until Purple Belt, for example, new to their, you know, the, the newer BJJ practitioners, what should you be doing at home? What should you be doing when you're not at the class? So, Just from your opinion. Most academies, I mean, we all know pretty much what the basic movements are, right? Sure. So, you know, you're not going to go to a judicial academy and they're going to have you backflip into the splits or something. You have to be gymnastics. So you're going you're gonna to work on um, all the basics. You know, you learn how to hip move different ways. You learn how to roll and fall different ways. You know, you learn how to do, 
you know, like leg thrust to the triangle, different ways. And I think what, what needs to be done that's not done often is everybody does those, and so they condition in a, in a, in a, in a, phys, in a kind of, a, they get stronger sort of way, and they get the idea of the move, but it's not correct. And you're always practicing, like how you're sitting in the chair now, you're practicing, right? So you have to be cognizant of it all the time. So it's not like I'm going to just kind of, you know, get through these warm-ups and they're wasting their time. Yeah. So the teacher, though, his responsibility is to teach them correctly, obviously. Most teachers do. But then you got to hit home. You've, you've got to keep emphasizing the, the fact that these are really important. This is not what we do to waste time before we roll. The adjustment and the drills and things right. like that. Correct. To make sure you're doing them right. right. I see it all the exactly. time. As an example, you know, you do the arm bar from the garden. And you say, okay, I want, I want 20 reps left and right. And then as soon as you start letting people... Uh, we use the term swing. You know what I mean? Swing into the arm bar as opposed to putting the foot on the hip. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, the legs, the heels stop coming down in the execution of the arm bar. Uh. They hang up, and you're like, that's right. It's, it's, you're technically doing the drill, but you're not doing it right. 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 And, and that's building set, habits. And, and that, that's the, sometimes I feel like I would rather have someone that knows no jujitsu yeah. come in and be a, a, a student right. than someone that's trained. Right somewhere else that maybe hasn't learned good habits and breaking those habits can be very right. difficult. Right. right. And that's why the drilling is important. So the solo drills, because there's no pressure again, really, there's no one, there's no one putting pressure on you, right? It's just gravity momentum in the ground. Right. So, you know, they need to pay attention and they need to have enough, enough, uh, they need to practice on their own. They can't, they can't just, you know, it depends on what good you want to get. You can't expect to go and do 50 minutes of warm up twice a week. And so you go home and you, you know, everybody works out. You say, look, spend, you know, you can run a, a mile less and spend a half hour doing your, 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 your exercises. And then yeah. the partner drills are super important because now you're doing them with an, another guy, a human, and you're, you're learning about leverage and angles, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not cardio. It's not cardio time. It's being very precise without much pressure or, the, or your, your partner's giving you the correct pressure and you need to build in your muscle memory. You need to go very slowly step by step and the teacher needs to pay attention. And then when that's, that's dialed in and they start rolling, those things be, start to become first nature. Right. So, so the point of it for, from, the, from the practitioner's side, from the white belt or the blue belt, it would be making sure that those details are in the forefront of your mind, not mm-hmm. just the right. speed or the tempo. Exactly. Is that what you're getting exactly. at? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and so the solo drills become really important. And so like the emphasis, like Tim's solo drills that he does. Um, Wouldn't it be great if there was like... I wish I could see them. I mean, I, I could go to a seminar, but it would be really cool if there was a way that maybe they could be released well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll digitally do a online, maybe behind a paywall, so that maybe, someone just drops like 10 we'll bucks and they get it. Yes, maybe we'll you know, do a DVD it, in the yeah, future. But, yeah. um, What's Macaco a paywall? Fino. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, With guys, Tim Carmel. I, I, yeah, you I, I, could, I could help you there, but yeah. go ahead. Okay. Well, maybe we'll talk after. But, um, but realistically... Um, the, I would the, buy one. I'm buying it. Yeah, the guys. <laughs> I'm, in. I'm, I'm in. So I'm just uh, waiting for it. I'm. I'm saying I'll help you. I'm not usually this maybe, quiet. I'm like, oh. I'm saying I'll help you to maybe get you to yeah. actually do it. So then I can see them and have yeah. them. No, so, I mean, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to everyone else. I've learned from. We have solo drills, but I'm just right. fascinated right. with this, this whole. Process, I mean, so so like know? you know, like I've trained with a lot of people, and I'll just just say it publicly. I've trained with a lot of people, and I've done a lot of solo drills with a lot of people, and they're all awesome. But it sounds know, a little dirty. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Get around. I huh? am dirty. Jeez. Yeah. So it's like, but but realistically, the solo drills that Tim does, um, it, it they're a little a little different, and um, they they pertain directly to you know if you do them correctly. And you and, and, and you and you and you 
and you actually have intent on doing those, those solo drills correctly, they will help you positionally and build muscle memory into your technique. Mm-hmm. Now, um, m- a lot of my students, like over the weekend, they never got exposed. I, I do a subset of Tim's drills, right? So, um, and, you know, and, and, they're in, and they understand that these drills have a purpose. We're not just like... Trying the, to get through them. I know yeah, a lot right, of people like, right. get through the 20 arm right. bars. Nope. Get through it, nope. you know? No, nope. we don't do that. I mean, I don't do that because, you know, I, I, I've trained with Tim and, and it's like, here's the objective of this drill. This is why we're doing the drill. This is what you should be emphasizing. This is what you should be feeling when you're doing the drill. Mm-hmm. And so when they, when they then go to roll and they're, and they're feeling pressure, then they can have a, 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 a feeling that they can pull from to say, ah, okay, I need to rotate on my shoulder like this. I need to be pushing from, you know, you know, from my back foot. And I'm, I'm feeling this, you know. And right. so even though the guy is putting pressure here, here's the line of force. Here's the vector. Here's what I'm going around. Right. And so, so his, his drills are really kind of special in a lot of ways. Um, so where can where can people learn more? I mean, have you published any of this? Is it out there? I mean, can someone mm, not? No, but they mean, can I, come train with you. If they can come train if they're in Southern California, right? But, you know, the, and I mean, the vast majority are just I think are just basic, you know, drills we all do. Um, I just I I just kind of really try to emphasize the importance, you know, and and the precision. I mean, everyone that's good at jujitsu, if you watch them do it, they wouldn't be that good at jujitsu if they weren't moving correctly, you know. Right. So I think for a lot of a lot of teachers, it's it's uh, um, if they pointed out the importance of it a little bit more would would be the the uh, yeah. would be the thing. And I think I also try the other thing I try to do is like like uh, you you want to be able to besides doing so you start off doing a, a left right you know I hit move left right hit move left right I bridge I bridge I bridge. But I think the other thing that that's that's sometimes missing not always is the teacher can can chain them together a little bit, and then mm-hmm. the student can make up their own kind of kata, their own form. Oh, and what you need idea. to do eventually is chain the drill, drill to drill, so you can roll around the floor like you're flying through space, right? Yeah. In 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 a logical manner, not I sprawl and then I just flip, you know myself on my back into some weird. So no. maybe the I instinctual. I, yeah, and it's got it's got to conserve momentum. So maybe right. I, I I flip over in a bridge and then I leg thread through to my knees and then I it doesn't have to be even a tech, it's technical idea it's, it's unlimited and then once you get smooth at that and all those different patterns the more degrees of movement freedom you have the better you're gonna roll. It's funny you mention this because the the a lot of times when we're fl- we call it flow rolling mm-hmm. I'm sure you do too mm-hmm. I find that to be an incredible way first of all. It it increases your awareness yeah. of the potential techniques that you can be doing. Right. Yeah, yeah, there's limited number, 100%, l- yeah. limited level of resistance during a flow roll, but it lets you know that if you work these positions, like the things that can happen, and also the creativity that occurs in right. Right. that totally is really right. so awesome. Right, um, I agree. But some people are, b- are big believers in flow roll, and other people are not. And I I am a huge believer. And yeah. the effectiveness at, at developing jujitsu through flow rolling. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. The thing when you flow roll, you roll a little bit softer. First of all, you lose that that mental pressure. I mean, we all to we win. all know. Every, yeah, 
So it doesn't matter if you're in your school right. with your best friend you've rolled with a thousand times. Mm-hmm. You know, when, once you shake, once you bump fists, that's you worse. Go, yeah, that's way I worse. I mean, you know, there's, there's, yeah, right. Right. Here <laughs> there's, we go. There's no bad intent, but I just want to go easy, fellow right. podcast yeah. hosts. Yeah. 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 Everybody knows exactly what's going to happen, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna kind of, it's gonna first. Sometimes too, you correct when you go fast. You go reflexive, so you've missed opportunities, right? Because you just missed them. Another, and, and if it's with somebody you don't know as well, or they're bigger than you, you're maybe a little intimidated, you're going to play your best game. Right. Everybody plays their best game, Ooh. which is what you do when you're in a tournament, right? You, you bring the guy into your game, but you're not going to get better Top at other stuff. 10%, right? But better at other stuff. So you can, you can do it on your own. I mean, a lot of times, rolling, you have to be responsible for your own time. So besides maybe trying the technique you learn that day, you got to have your own short-term goals. So you might say, you know what? You know, I can never escape. I can't get out of back mount. If guys take my back, I have a really hard time. You can let them, I will let them take your back, right? You can practice. Right. Or great to hear. You, yeah. might, you might be like, nah, no one passes my guard in here. And so you let them pass your guard. And that's your responsibility. You'll, lo- you'll, you'll you win do. less, though that's you get better you jiu-jitsu. Do. So I try to emphasize too with my students, the goal of competing is to win. And the goal of training is to get better. Right. They're not the same thing. I All agree. Together, right? Everybody can get better together, right? Yeah. Mitt, the better absolutely. they get, the better you can get potentially. It's right? amazing that you say that because you know, I try to tell people like, you know, the better students that we have, when you catch them, you know, especially when they first start to really get a concept of being able to beat other people, they want to do it over and over again. And I'm like, there's I, I think it was Jared that mentioned he's like, there are no cameras in the academy. Like nobody cares how many people yeah. you tap in the academy. How much money are you getting for that, buddy? Yeah, nothing. Right. Go train to get better at jiu-jitsu, yeah. not just to win every yeah. night. And it's just such an... I mean, you, you put it so poetically about how people should approach training yeah. to actually get good at jiu-jitsu, not just beat people. Right? Yeah. Because beating people is like, ah, like it is the ultimate goal is to submit. But what, why we're there every night is not to beat people. Our goal is to A, hang out with our friends and be part of our community, right. and B, get better at jujitsu and be a better person. Well, and Jay, I mean, you, you dropped that uh, to make it real. You dropped that on me within months of when I started. I mean, uh, both George and I came in. I didn't come out the same time as George's, but uh, with pretty long judo background, I mean, many, many years, and my top game was pretty decent. I didn't really pass very well, but once mm-hmm. I was anywhere near past, it was. So you were just like, well, just sit down and play ball. Yeah, Stop playing top, yeah, exactly. right? And I remember yeah. just going, yeah, that, okay, cool. Yeah. And it's weird because you know you have to then you have to navigate the 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 class that way because you get all these people going, oh, this goes, you know. And it's uh, you, you're true. There's you're right. There's an ego involved. Yeah, you got to kind of let it go. Man. And your teacher, yeah. like, your teacher should point, a good teacher will point it out. Oh no, and he, yeah, the, no, I'm, I'm calling it out. I mean, yeah, it was man. the best thing ever. I I still almost to this day. I if I get end up in top, I'm kind of. Try to, try to do I it and then move here. on. You want to well, pin just him move for on, 20 right? seconds? No, no, but that's the thing. I'm not going to do that. You know, you and, know what's and, funny about that is that the, and I've said it before, when I need to train, like when I need to get on the mat and like for my own personal health, uh, it's almost better that I have a bad day on the mat. Like someone grind me into the mat. That's kind of what I need. You know what I mean? And as soon as you yeah. embrace that, yeah, and you're like, and sometimes that's what you need, right? Like, Th- then training those those tough tough positions where you're not as proficient becomes easy because you're like 
I might, you know, I might get a little rug burn or whatever, but it's, 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 hey, it's all for my growth, man. Right. Like it's, it's what I need and it's where, and I don't mind going there. And I don't mean that in a tough way. Like right. I'm tough. I don't mind going to tough positions. Right. I mean, I really don't mind going there because I don't care what happens. Right. I don't care if the guy's a yeah. blue belt and he ends up tapping me from this position. I'm there to figure out how to get better from here. Yeah. And if everybody is doing it, then when you go to a tournament, yeah, you yeah. don't you don't do that. You right. you, you pull your best jujitsu, or if right. you're in a self defense situation, right. or you're in a fight, like whatever. But the only way you get there, like if I go and I and I know that like there are certain passes that I do and like certain ways that I could, that I know that I can impose my will that are good for me. And if I go on the mat every night and just do those, I continue to be good at these things that I do. But then. You're going to train with someone that's going to find all these holes. Right. And the game, the, 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 our mission in jujitsu is, is, yeah, to grow, grow and shrink the holes. Yeah. And if, and if the more you train, like the way that Tim is describing, the smaller those holes get over time and the more, the faster you can close them also yep. in, in, in your, in your, in your, uh, your training age. And the less you do that and the more ego gets in the way, it's not a joke. Right. The, literally, the more you're handicapping your jiu-jitsu yeah. growth. Yeah. Uh, Jay, always say, you've said it in a lot of these podcasts. You say, you know, we're in on the ground floor with this. Jiu-jitsu, at least the way we study it, if you call it Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and that, the typical approach, which is semi-sport, you know, sort of also self-defense, but mostly sport-focused, uh, is relatively new. It's mm-hmm. certainly compared to, you know, whatever, kung fu or something. It's, it's not... It, it's. Not even a hundred years old, right? Yeah. Uh, in that format. Now, obviously, it's it's drawing from things that are, are, are ancient. Putting that on the table, um, do you, you, Tim. I mean, you have this experience with all these different types of arts, and some of them are incredibly old, right? Um, where do you think? Where do you see this going in terms of how the training works? Is there are there things that exist in these larger, longer? you know, uh, more mature martial arts that where do you see this going as far as Brazilian jiu-jitsu is concerned? Is it making it more of a fighting thing or the way we approach it, the actual cadence of the classes? I, I think, uh, so it's already gone to be, it's gone to become a more competitive sport. You know, the self-defense aspects kind of dropping off, right? Mm-hmm. So Hickson talks about it a lot. You know, th- this is, you know, when you're around with the people that kind of, um, invented it really like put it together modified it it was originally just for fighting so sport the sport aspect was a third of it basically um a very important part now like like we, we talked about earlier you you make co- the competition get bigger and bigger guys make a living now doing jiu-jitsu right competing mm-hmm. so you make the rules and people will train to win at those rules that's just the way it is you can't blame them i think that um it'll continue to go that way and i think there'll be more so you talk about like ebi so you have you have uh, now you can make a fair amount of money fighting with nogi, right? So you're going to have um, most of the pe- young people that get into it. I think are going to go into a competitive slant, like judo. You know, judo was invented for self defense, but I mean, most Olympics. people do Olympics game. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 it yeah. actually what, got to the point. That's one of the reasons why I yeah. left judo is because yeah. of what so it became. Yeah, I, I, I would hope that, um, like I said, people that are properly trained with a, just a little bit, even for the guys who only care about sport, that are athletes, with just a little bit of you know, 10% of the time on the self-defense because, again, all the hardware is placed. They know how to throw. They know how to grapple. They just don't know how to maybe, you know, close the gap, achieve the clinch or defend mm-hmm. themselves against punches. So I would hope that that would be more, become more and more uh, or, or 
not become, but go back to that kind of old school idea of learning for self-defense as well. Yeah. But I think, I think it probably is not, not going to be prevalent. People are going to do it as a sport. Because you, you hear all the time now, you know, you, you read on the internet, guys are like, well, I guess jiu-jitsu has this place, but you I mean, they go, it's stupid to pull guard in a fight. Like what Brazilian jiu-jitsu teacher in the history of Brazilian jiu-jitsu service had pulled guard in a fight? <laughs> right. But, that's, right. but you know what? They go to a tournament and guys run out and, and double guard pull, which, you know, or throw themselves on their ass and butt scoot across but, the yeah. mat. Yeah. So they don't understand what it was, how it was. With a sense of shame. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Well, <laughs> you've, you've had conversations with Hickson about this, right? Yeah. So, well, of course, Hickson's all for, you know, the original family style and it's, it's self-defense oriented. And, and uh, I was there one day, he said something interesting. He said that, he goes, you know, it's not about lear- learning like, uh, he, and he, I think, I mean, I don't want to put words in Hickson's mouth, but right. you can tell when he talks, he has, a, he has total appreciation for these guys that are just athletes. I mean, they're, they're doing fant- they're fantastic uh, grapplers, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, Hickson's, and I, I think obviously rightly so, everything's based on certain basics. And if you ma- master the basics, it's probably all you'll need. If you master the basics, anything that's based off the basics, it's new, will be easier to do anyway because you've already mastered the basics, right? right. So a lot of emphasis on, on basic jiu-jitsu and... and uh, and uh, perfecting, like you said, you know, you learn, you learn a scissor sweep, you've done it 20 years, and then Hickson shows it, and you're like, wow. You know right. what I mean? It's completely mm-hmm. different, right? Not completely made, but like things you never thought of. Right. So there's, there's levels of, of ability. So I think that, that that kind of emphasis in an academy is good. And people, you know, young guys come in, and they want to do whatever's cool and new, and, and uh, you know how it is. So I think they need, they need to start with basic basics until they're really good at them. And you throw a little self-defense in there to make sure that, you know, that you're not a purple belt mundial champion and the first drunk slob that throws a horrible right hook knocks you on your ass. Yeah, and your first thought is to pull guard. Yeah, you free, and then you sit down. <laughs> unless, yeah. it's, uh, it's amazing that you mentioned that because I, it's, a, it's a concept that I think a lot about even when you see these, like I use the Meow Brothers as an example, Barambolo, that, that, you know, well, you go back a couple years and it was the new hottest technique. Right. And... People focus on that and say, like, oh, my game needs to be that. And that's not even their game. You look at the way that they set it up. It's all with basics. And after they completed the Barambolo, they go back to the basics, Mm -hmm. which is basic finishing from the back. They're just experts at finishing from the back. So they're like, I just need to get to the back and I can win. But people are focused on the Barambolo, not on the basics that, A, initiated the position, and, B, the ones that finished it were positions that we all learn as white belts. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that uh, worked out really interestingly, again, for my type of person, I'm a musician, I learned the most traditional way. It, you know, it's, it's amazing the way you put down the information because you talked about my experience as a young person, as a musician. You, you have to understand the shit that everybody does. You got to know what scales are. You got to know the harmony. You gotta, blah, 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 blah. And then you need to learn to make it uh, the same as other people, and then you need to learn to make it your own. Right. And then once you have all that, then your creativity runs very freely because you always have something to fall back on, right? One of the connections that I made with judo, which is, you know, now whatever, like 180 years old, right? Um, is there's like a visual encyclopedia for judo, which is the, the 40 throws, mm-hmm. right? It's the gokyo, right? And whether or not you throw those 40 throws that way or not, they exist as this sort of Again, visual encyclopedia. I remember asking early on and, and you know, doing some research and realizing the reason why it existed was because you can't make a book of this shit. And there was no videotape. So the way to turn it forward, to, this is how you do it. It's, it's funny. We would, George, I know you had the same thing. You get a book and you're like, oh, I'm going to learn this throw. You look at the book and they have like 
four pictures, right. right? And it's not the four pictures that make it. It's the a hundred million of little pictures in between, right? So you had to learn through the kata. I, I'm just like throwing flames right now, but is it possible that there's a a jujitsu kata, a BJJ kata coming? I mean, is that part of this? Is there a way of Didn't saying? Didn't I invent one, Ron? You, you have did, actually all yeah. no shit aside, and, I'll t- and we'll talk about it. Uh, he, you, we call it the dry tortuga, <laughs> but it's it's the a dry it's tort- a we do what it, nasty. It's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> that's why we called it that. But anyway, um, no, but leave it there. Do you see, <laughs> well, is there a way of creating like, because for me as a judo guy, going to something new, I'd fall back on what I knew because I had to do that a thousand times. Well, in my case, tens of times, but yes. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so I think, so the original idea of kata, so you have solo kata and then you have paired kata that are, that are standardized, right, right, right to right, teach right. it. So right back in the day, most people were literate, even if you wrote it down, um, there's no video. There's no. There's no photographs. So the solo kata were, are to are to convey uh, body movement principles and principles of body use. And I think the problem is you, you, you hit the nail on the head. You, first, you have to you have to imitate your teacher. I mean, you have no other. What else are you going to do? He could explain it to you. It's like explaining to a child how to ride Port a bike. City guys are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't imitate those yeah. guys. Yeah. First, take your pants off. Right. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. Hey. <laughs> That's Jay. Sorry. Yeah. sorry. Oh, so. So it'd be like if you explain to a child how to ride a bike and then put them on a bike and expect them to do all that. You can't. So you've got to imitate. You've got to go step by step. The problem with those things are they get, they get ritualized or formalized, and then they do them for their own sake, and they don't really know why they're doing them, right? When you say you do a solo kata, you've you got to learn. You're learning like you know, the correct angles of movement, where you distribute your weight, your posture. But what you really want to do eventually is, is feel what the guy, invented, the guy that invented it felt. Right. If you're not built exactly like him, it shouldn't look just like his kata. Right, right, right. For example, if you know Joe taught me the kata and I got the principle of it, it wouldn't look like Joe because I'm tall and skinny. If I taught a guy Joe, and I'm small and fat, and I was going to say buff. <laughs> buff. And then, but then if, if, if I had a student and he was built Big like bone. Joe, he Compa- would look more like Joe than I do. That and adorable. So, <laughs> and you know, obviously that that's how it works with right. with the, the judo kata because it is a paired kata for the most part. Yeah, I mean, jujitsu has kata. All the all the ground, all the things we talked about, the basics, those are kata, right? Right. So, yeah, like, the codification is what I'm talking so, about. Like, so, a, a, is that a bad thing no, or is it no. a good thing? Like, no. we, as long as you understand what it's for. So, I mean, you need them. So, every time you teach somebody to hip move, it's a kata. Right. Yep. What I'd like to see people do, like I said, once they get the basics down, is they invent their own, where they where they roll on the ground and they can chain them together, in like a logical flow, that conserves their energy. Right. And everybody can do different ones. As far as uh, pair two person kata, I don't know. I mean, you know, we people have them. I mean, people have uh, sequences of techniques that are like kata. I guess. Yeah, the word kata is kind of funny because it means a lot of different like things. Like carbon stone, well, yeah. like old kata. People have a is. bad connotation when they say kata. No, they, that's they, why I said I'm throwing fire. It's really fire. nice. Yeah. It's movement, right? right? So it's like... Still make it, it a competition. Right. right. In, in, in like in like Swaijiao, like Chinese wrestling, right? They have, like we'll call it kata. Kata is a Japanese word, the but... Forms. Forms, right? And their form is like, uh, like two mo- uh, one movement, boom. One movement, and they practice that one movement body mechanics. Basically, doing the throws in the air. Yeah, over and over and over again, yeah, right? right? And so, and so, you know, if you chain movements together, as long as you understand like what that first movement is, and you understand what that second movement is, there, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, I think that 
the thing that I, I got out of the forums, in this case, the judo kata, would be that there, there's a, quote, correct way to do this. Right. Yes. Now, and I realize it, right. can, and it can change, like you said. But what I would have to do in this case would be, like, would grab George and say, we're not going to practice this because we're going to do this, and we're going to demonstrate this in the same order that everybody else demonstrates it, and we're going to be held to this standard, and we're going to do this. Now, I realize a lot of martial artists saw this as complete bullshit, and a lot of martial artists saw this as the basis of the entire art. So there's a wide range. But leaving that aside, for someone like me, there's that, there's that definitive version. And I realize it's a little different with jujitsu because you can say, let's do a scissor sweep, and there isn't really a definitive version. But creating at least a set of standard ways of doing stuff and then forcing it or allowing the student to demonstrate yep. them in and, and then be like, no, you're making this mistake, fix you this, sh- and then you have it. That I just feel like that I'm asking, could that codification work? You should check out the, uh, the I forget the guy's name that runs Jiu-Jitsu Over 40. He's got the... Uh, I, I know that. Uh, Owen? Yeah, and and he's really good at this, and he gets these flows that his students came up with, and they mm-hmm. and they turn it into these because for jujitsu kata can sometimes be a two person type right. thing, right? right? It's essentially what we're doing, mm-hmm. and uh, he's just they're, they're brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I, I swear these chains are like yeah, those five yeah. minutes yeah. long. Yeah, they're yeah. cool. They're, they're cool. Really cool. I, again, I totally get it. I'll, I'll finish. Well, I know you I'm, want, I'm you want standardized. standardized, but nobody's. Well, I, I'm not talking about a long. You got to dumb it down. Well, for no, no, I'm being really straight. I'm talking about. Just one thing, like here we go. Ready? Right. Hip, show me a hip escape. Yeah. So you know what? That's cool, but it's not up to the standard. And here's what you can do: show me this. Obviously, we do this anyway. Right. But really, standard the IBJJ app for right. your. Right. Well, I know. I know. No, 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 no. Well, I'll just. Or you uh, could just come to class, Duncan. Right. <laughs> well, like an analogy would be music, right? So, like you know, like you 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 learn, you learn. You know, like the the how to play the notes and scale, right? And like what Tim was talking about earlier. And then you learn. Then there's a song out there. Someone wrote a song, right? And it's a set piece, right? And you're reading sheet music and you play that song, the way it's put out on the sheet music, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you're playing improv improvisational jazz, yeah. Right. Yeah. But you pl- you start out with that song, right. right? And so you're playing that song, and then all of a sudden you kind of go off and you and you're doing your own thing, but there's an evolution of, you can't play improv- improvisational jazz. I can't say that, but improv. improv- you gotta learn how to play the sax first. Yeah, you gotta learn how right. to you know play. You, 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 so it's so you gotta learn the rules before you can break them. That's right. Yeah, I don't. I didn't mean to make this. Is I'm not saying. I'm using myself as an example just in general, but I'm talking about just generally in terms of making this the education of this of the general student easier. Yeah. And no, but it's great. Bottom line is I can make it easy for you. There's guitar players and then there's other musicians. Yep. Guitar players just go right to making up shit. And I'm being a little mean to some guitar players, but most of them do. And I, to be honest, you can do that with jujitsu too. Yeah. You well, can just kind of just yeah. go in and just start making up shit. Yeah. And there's people like me who kind of come in from a different angle. Yeah. But 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 you know you, you you all you're still using the same notes. You're still using the same you know on the G clef. You're still using the same eight notes, right? Not not guitar players, but I do anyway. Yes, I get yeah, you. you. Know what I'm saying. Okay. So, the so. thing is, Every, though, all the guitar players are laughing right now. These are all really good music jokes. Good. Um, you. In jujitsu, you can make shit up, but the pro- it still has to work, though, right? right. I mean, you're still, right. it's not like you, you made it up and you go, this would really work on someone. you got to prove it. Yeah, so right. that, that keeps yeah. it honest, I think. Oh, yep. yeah. So Tim is going to go 
and make us a DVD. <laughs> right. And then he's going to uh, DVDs are old school, uh, man. There's no such thing. Well, Nobody whatever, buys them. Nobody knows, I don't even know to put them. Go to the Facebook page. Fist Tim, Tim, Tim is going we'll to make a VHS tape. Make a tape yeah. for us. And he's going to come Tim's, back. And, Tim's getting behind a paywall. And we're going to do some pretty awesome seminars for sure. We're going to yeah. we're going to we're going to talk about. Yeah, like I definitely. This has been very very psyched to train with you, man. For for so for everyone listening, this was our you know literally our. Uh, Makako's known Tim for a long time, but this is our first conversation. Yeah, and uh, my mind is opened as you know to some really some new concepts yep. as to the way that we can go for about sure. training and the way that we should be approaching our the way we hit the mat every day. So, thank you so much oh, for for, for coming in. This is amazing. Yeah, like, I can't wait to not only uh, when you come back to the East Coast in the next couple of months, make sure to check out Fist Fit Fitness to to check on Tim's schedule. But uh, we're coming your way out out west. You yeah, know what I mean, I, we're gonna we're gonna hit you up. Yeah, welcome to come train. Sure. Everyone's welcome to come train. What what else? What do you got going on right now? Anything like? I I well, you know, I teach in the academy on a regular classes, and uh, and I travel a, fa- a fair amount and do seminars. So that's pretty. Much he it. um he goes to Europe, you know, usually you know once or twice a year for a month, and then does like seminars there. He goes um he goes to New York. He has New York. Portland. Group. You need a baggage handler, right? <laughs> yeah. How can people get in touch with you? What's the uh, best way? Um, probably you can email me. My email is shenwu s h e n w u at verizon.net. and uh, that's my personal email. So if anybody wants to contact me, and uh, the academy, my academy is Ace Jiu Jitsu in it's in Fountain Valley, California. So if you're ever in Southern California, everyone's welcome to come train. I can't wait to get out there. Seriously, and hit the mats with you guys. Definitely, that'll be great. Um, thank you guys, both of you guys, so much. So, and if you're in Massachusetts, go to fitfitnessgym.com. Fist oh. Fitness. Ask for Makako. He's always there. <laughs> He's, He's always got nothing there. else, to especially do. now. <laughs> yeah, he lives there. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks very much. It was a, it was a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Really, really cool. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, um, thanks so much, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Catch up soon for episode twelve. Peace. Peace.